Hello, how you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? Yes, it's Thursday. Yes, it's the podcast. Are you well? Are you warm? Have you done your Christmas shopping? Or are you like me, a little bit behind on everything and just getting over a stinky old cold, as you can hear? Right, first off, a massive, massive thank you to everybody who responded to Sophie Thompson's episode last week. I mean, she's just a beautiful human being inside and out. And I'm so thrilled that she came on and I'm so chuffed that you responded to it. Um, she's just a joy. She's so lovely, isn't she? Um, this week is episode 107 and we go to Manchester to sit down with postman turned stand-up comedian Chris Washington. It's a really fun episode. He's just brilliant. It's really great to sit down and get to know him a bit better. So I really hope you enjoy. I am going to keep this short and sweet. But I do want to say, if you're in the UK... I'm not going to get all political, but it is Thursday today. Please use your vote and use it wisely. If you're going to be tactical, be tactical. Just do the right thing. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, look, I'll get off my soapbox now and uh, I'm going to go and have a hot drink to sort my throat out. And you don't want to be hearing me do this. You want to hear the episode. So this is it. This is episode 107 of the Two Shot Podcast with the brilliant Chris Washington. Enjoy. I'll see you at the end. Still together? Yeah, yeah. Oh, lucky. I was going <laughs> to fucking... I proposed last year. All right. Are we recording? Oh no, no, it's no, fine. Carry on. Tell me about tell me more about Blackpool, Chris. So we had our, our first date in Blackpool, and then uh... what did you do on a first date in Blackpool? Don't say Louis Two Swords. Have you been to Louis Two Swords? No, it was voted oh the worst the worst um, visitor attraction in the UK. I think. Don't quote me on that, but it was something like yeah, that. yeah. And I mean, I find waxwork museums odd at the best yeah. of times. I mean, I don't know why. Let's go and have my photo taken with Rod Stewart here as a waxwork. I don't, I don't get it. I don't yeah. understand the point, but still there's queues outside Madame Tussauds in London when you go past, isn't there? But yeah, Louis Tussauds was laughable, laughably yeah, bad. I've seen I mean, pictures of it. Somewhat, if you listen to this now and you don't know what I'm talking about, go and Google Louis Tussauds <laughs> and see some of the absolute <laughs> atrocities that are there that are supposed to be. Oh, look, there's Ant and Deck. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> what was French and Saunders? What's going on? It's ridiculous. That's great. So, what did you get up to in Blackpool? Oh, we just went Pleasure Beach. Like, like Becky, uh, my girlfriend, uh, she she loves Blackpool, and I was like, I was, I, I'd fancied her for ages. Then I was like, and she never really gave me time of day or anything. And then um, one night, she must have just been in a good mood, and we was at this party. And um, <laughs> lucky for you, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, right, let me take you out, and I'll go anywhere you want tomorrow, whatever you want. And she went, right, we'll go Blackpool in the morning. I was like, right, okay. And I thought, I wonder if... And then I woke up and she gave me a number. And I was like, I wonder if she's like... she, You know, because I hadn't really spoke to her. I'd kind of like fancied her and like spoke to her a bit. But I think she thought I was a bit of a knobhead. Like, because one of my friends went out with one of her friends and kind of knew each other a little bit. Yeah. And, um, and then I texted her, said, do you still want to go to Blackpool? And then she was like, yeah, pick, pick me up in like half time. We went to Pleasure Beach and that. And then we was uh, inseparable for ages. After that, I got a good day. Yeah. And we, went, and, and we got together and what have you. This is two, two, uh, February 
2011, I think. Oh, yeah, nice. Feb 2011, yeah. And then and then last year I proposed um, and I thought I would do it in Blackpool. Smooth. Like, like uh, and I'll make it like our first date. We'll go like, and I'll do it like, make it look like it was a, uh, you know, a bit like spur of the moment. I'll book the, book the night off or whatever. We'll go Blackpool and I'll park in the same spot. We'll go Pleasure Beach. And then I got out the car in Blackpool and I don't know what it was, like whether it was like all the sunshine and rainbows on that day when we, first got together, I just completely forgot how much of a shit old Blackpool is. So I, thought, <laughs> I, I thought, I can't do it here. <laughs> so, so we went round the pleasure beach, I had this ring in my pocket all day. And then uh, I thought, shit, like what was I thinking Blackpool, man? <laughs> what were you thinking? Outside that flipping fortune teller with a picture of Tyrone Dobbs on the front. So, <laughs> so I, we went the bloody, I went on booking.com, booked an hotel. I said, let's go uh, Lake District. Went to Lake Windermere and I did it there. Said, yeah, and getting married in February now. Congratulations, man. That's a beautiful okay. place to do it, Windermere. Yeah, that's yeah. That's more, that's more like that it. Was, that was good, yeah. Because she's going to remember it. Yeah. And the yeah, last totally. thing you want is, you know, the, behind the laughing clown at the Yeah, and you know, weirdly, right, someone, um, someone who, who we, Becky works with, give her a, a painting. Uh, and it was called Love, Love by the Lake. And I'm, I'm not kidding, it's a, it's a man and a woman and they've got the back to the lake with loads of love arts and a picture of Lake Windermere and it looks like me, it looks like it's been painted of me and Becky. No you know way. I mean? We've got it up in our dining room at home and uh, yeah, it's just a picture which was like, that's crazy that someone's painted that and it looks like the exact spot where I did it as well. I remember shitting myself and waiting for all these dog walkers to walk past and kids who were jumping in the lake and stuff and I thought, oh Christ, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And then I got down one day and I think the first words out of my mouth were, I am fucking shitting myself, please don't say no. <laughs> the rest is history, as you say. So, yeah. Sugar. Uh, yeah, two sugars would be great, please. Two sachets, three sachets. Uh, go two sachets, because I've been trying one recently, because people keep giving me funny looks when I have two sugars. Do they? But then I tell them, like, a can of Coke's got six tablespoons, someone told me. So yeah. Don't judge. I had a, a builder... Few years ago, when I asked him how many tea, how many sugars in his tea, six, six, six. yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's like a myth, isn't it? But I always think when you, you know, when you go to these like heaped, yeah, <laughs> you know, when you go to meetings in London with like fucking whoever, you know, like people who are in not from the same background. I always think about just saying that when they offer me a drink, how many sugars? Nine, please. Then just not buy an island. <laughs> just to see what they do, what yeah. they it's just what they expect with my accent. <laughs> yeah, nine sugars. That'll do. Can I have twelve biscuits as well, please. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> do you feel Thanks that that much. people have an expectation because of where you're from and your accent and I'm not just talking about in I think, the stand up world I'm just talking about in everyday life as well do you know what I think sometimes what? I think um, when you talk like me sometimes, or, or me yeah, or you, yeah. <laughs> I think sometimes people and this, I don't have like a chip on my shoulder about this but I think sometimes pe- think people think you're a little bit thicker than you are do you know what I mean and people will be a there's just a bit of a a preconceived like oh like you know like my voicemail is like hello you're free to Chris Washington's voicemail leave a message and honest to god the amount of voicemails I have where people the first part of the voicemail is someone going hello Chris Washington I'm just leaving you a message you know what I mean and, but yeah so I don't know not not hugely but you know it's one of them and it's like Wigan and Blackpool is uh, the places where people take the mick out of them a bit don't yeah. they you know and they're like but I I, I totally love where I'm from I'm, I, I love it to bits. Like I wouldn't, ch- I wouldn't change anything about where I live or where I've grew up or the kind of upbringing that I've had. Really, I think. Do you think people place. have preconceived ideas 
about people from the northwest. Yeah, maybe. Especially when you move. I mean, especially doing what you do now, you travel a lot, moving around the UK, yeah. don't you? you? Must do. Yeah, yeah, I do. You... I do. Um, yeah, perhaps a little bit. But do you know what? I think. No, I think sometimes people use it as an excuse sometimes, you know, when they're not where they quite want to be and they'll go, oh, it's because I'm working class or it's because I'm from this, this place and it's all... Yeah. And I think it's not because I think... I'm a firm believer, right, the cream rises to the top, do you know what I mean? And you're getting what you put out a little bit, like, most of the time. And if, you, if you're working out, no one's going, I'm not giving it him because he speaks like that or because he's from Wigan. You, I think... I think if you're good and you're working out and people can see that your work ethic's good, I think it doesn't matter. No. And some people have made a career on being chippy about being from the north and where they're from and yeah. sticking their heels in. Yeah, yeah. And like, I, that must take a lot of effort to carry that sort of baggage around with you. Mm. Going, oh, no, this is this because I'm from a working-class estate. Yeah. And, and my child was really hard. And then you come here with your, your Oxbridge education. That's it's like, it. just give it over. Give over. And you know what? It's and it, it's boring. It's so boring. And it's like someone said to me, I was on a I was on a what's his I was up at the fringe last year and I did some interview on uh on Five Live, uh, Live from the Fringe or something. And then a woman said to me, uh Sarah Brech, lovely uh, presenter on Five Live, um, she said, Do you how do you find and it seems to be a go to question when you go up to Edinburgh, uh, how do you find being Working class and being up here, how does how does that um, how do you find that? Because another, I heard another comedian say that it would be easier to come out as gay than working class or something. And I was like, that's the most preposterous statement I've ever heard. Do you know what I mean? Like, who's like people aren't getting beat up around the world in different places in the world in Russia for being working class? Do you know no. what I mean? It's like, but I think it's just this thing of like, oh, I'm so because you you know it's you when I I've got this thing of when you working class like. You don't even go mention it. Proper people, like you've not been brought up being told you're working class. You just brought up, and you're just a, around kind of what you're around. And yeah. not, it's not you don't, your dad don't wake you up every morning. And remember, hey, wake up, come on, you're working class, get to work. <laughs> it's like it's just it's just life, and it's not. I didn't. I wasn't really exposed to. And yes, I am, uh, but I'm not like. I think everyone wants this fairy tale of I've come from. You know, I, I had this bit about it once. I was talking about whenever someone. I find it so boring when people go, nobody believed in me. Everyone said I was going to fail. Uh, no, I wasn't supposed... And I always think, who have you been hanging around with who tells you that? Like, do you know what I mean? I went, I, when I saw people I was going to be a comedian, he was like, yeah, I can see that. You're quite funny, actually. Yeah, probably, do you know what I mean? He's like, yeah. don't hang around. Like, who's telling you you're going to... F-? All the teachers told me that was going to be nothing. I was like, teachers don't talk to kids like that. Do you know what I mean? Not no. maybe, maybe back, like, years ago, but not now. Like, the... I've always found teachers quite supportive, and if I ever did get shit off teachers, I probably deserved it for being a little Gobby. daydreamer. Yeah, well, yeah. I, well, that was the same, you know. But I think some people wear that as some sort of badge of honour, and it just—I just find it a little bit grating, and not just like in the acting industry. I, I do see it all over as well. Yeah, I think. But I think if you, a lot of the people just don't mention it. You like, you know, I've never, I've never done a thing of being. I'm so working, and it's been, it's not been, it's been, I went to Florida in 2002, maybe with my mum and dad, so can't complain, can I? <laughs> and my dad made a joke that he was still playing it off till about last year, but yeah, it was a... <laughs> great holiday. Yeah, great holiday, yeah. <laughs> but they use it as a defence mechanism, I think. Yes. You know, when they get into those situations where they 
don't feel comfortable, they sort of dig deep and become a, a more of a more version of what they think they should be yeah. or what they should project, project to those other people. Yeah, totally. And don't forget, like, I think people, this whole thing of, like, oh, middle class, and I was thinking, there's loads of working class knobheads. Do you know what I mean? There's loads of... Well, there's just loads of knobheads full stop, yeah, isn't there? Yeah, but uh, it's, it's funny, though. It, it's um, I think, as I've found, as I've got further into this kind of industry and stuff, that I've... It's quite eye-opening to see, and I, I, not in a in a negative way or anything, just as an observation that, like the middle class, what middle class is. Because I don't think until I started doing comedy in 2012, and I got into it, and then met people, I'd I'd never met a single person who'd been privately educated in my life. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I couldn't. If you'd have asked me pre 2012 who who's gone to private school, I'd have said like probably like the prime minister's kids, like William and Harry their cousins and then like an handful of other people. And then the more you get into it, you go, oh, there's loads of people who, yeah. who, who have. And it, it doesn't mean not you're doing the same job as them now, aren't I? Do you know what I mean? But it's not like, I don't know, it's, I just find it odd. But I don't I don't use it as a thing to kind of fuel me on anything. And I also don't use it as a, it doesn't annoy me. It's just more just a purely an observation of going, oh, right. I mean, I've never really thought about it that much about the class if there is a class divide in the stand-up comedy world there doesn't from the outset there doesn't seem to be yeah it's but you know what i'm i probably people would have a go at me for saying because there is people who do do you know like do you know what the big thing is with me now i don't give a fucking shit so i don't look into it that much do you know like i'm not i'm not looking where like, I, the, there's good comics I know who are working class who have done, like, wrote something in The Guardian about it and they give examples of how there is a little bit of bias and thingy, but I can't sit there and go, there's bias when I've been given certain opportunities I have been yeah. from my background. So I, I can't bang the drum that working class people are being ignored because I haven't, I've, I've not been ignored, you know what I mean? You so, haven't experienced that. I suppose no. it's if you experience it yeah, yeah. first and otherwise it just becomes hearsay or yeah. what somebody else experienced. And if you're looking at comedians, like look at the big earners or the top comedians, like John Bishop, Peter Kay, Kevin Bridges, Jason Manford. They're all working class people, aren't yeah. they? So you can't say they're ignored because they're at the, like the top. Yeah. So... I don't know, really. While we're on this subject, there thereabouts, I think we should just jump back while we're talking about like where we're from yeah. and all that. So should we talk about growing up? Yes, yeah, I'm, yeah. So where were we? Uh, Goulburn. Uh, which, which is Wigan? Wigan, yeah, Wigan Borough, Warrington Postcode, a bit funny, but just 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 near Wigan. Get on a bus, to, get on the 600 outside my house, go to Wigan every weekend with my mates, swimming and walking around on the market, buying, flipping... DVDs and videos and stuff. Uh, yeah, Wigan was where I grew up. Goulburn, I went to school. Um, and then I went to high school in Newton the Willows, which is like... Yeah. More, clusters Merseyside, but because I went to the Catholic primary school, I went to the Catholic high school. And it was... I found that really, uh, really good going... Because a lot... I found it great that I went... I had to get a bus to school, and there's a high school in Goulburn a lot of my mates went to. But it was good because I had all my mates in Goulburn. Then I went to this... Catholic school in Newton the Willows and I had all my mates in Newton and then there was people who'd come from like Warrington, Culture, St. Helens, Lowton, 
all them kind of. So I ended up with like loads of mates in loads of different areas. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So it was like, oh, do you want to do you want to go down, come to mine at the weekend? And you'd be in like Warrington or Settlings or I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Or do you want to go for a day out? In such a place, so I, I really, I really enjoyed that kind of thing growing up there. Was it relig- religious background growing up? No, no, no. It was just I think uh, the school my, my dad went to. Right. And my nan goes to church, but you know, like the, I got, I did my communion. I did, you know, I'm a Catholic on on paper, on paper. But, but I'm, I'm not really. It's not my thing. That. What really. did mum and dad do, Chris? Uh, my dad uh, both retired actually uh, last year at the same right. time. The, the, it's only a month between them, so they both turned sixty. My dad turned sixty. Uh, Two days ago, and um, my dad always been a, a mechanical engineer. Worked for a long time in a in a toilet roll factory in in Wigan. Uh, fucking abs worked loads like sh- loads of overtime and it's like, real grafter. Yeah, proper grafter. Like, like I forget about it now. Like you don't think now, but like. You know, when I bump into people who know my dad in the pub and stuff, and they're like, God, is he still... And it's like first question on the lips a lot of the time. He's, God, he did so. He's always working, your dad. Do you know what I mean? It was like that thing of like... And when I say before, like, oh, we went to Florida and all that, yeah, we were, but my dad... Like, we lived in a nice house. We lived in a in a four-bedroom detached house on in, in Goulburn, which is, you know, nice. And it, But I remember it, when we, we bought it, it was a complete you know, dive and it was someone had done a shit extension and my dad doing this house up for ages and he just really kind of, I think he worked every hour under the sun, night shifts and then staying on and doing so many in a row and he was on, you know, that famous one when she dad's on nights, you know, all all the time when we were younger. So yeah, he he really did. And I mean, like spent his, his whole working life of, of like on his knees, fixing machines with a toilet. And it's like, and when it got to 60 and he was like, oh, I might stop on. And I was like, you need to pack. Stop packing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, so that's what, what my dad did. And my mum uh, was a civil servant, worked for the job centre. Right. I think her uh, final role, she, she, my mum, fucking hard worker as well, like really, like, really worked hard. And um, I think the final, the final role she ended up doing there was like kind of, do you know when, say, like a new company or a, a business, is having a big intake of of um staff and then they'll allocate so many places to apprenticeships and so many places to other people and, so, and then they look how many places are going to go through the job center and they're going to alloc- you know what i mean so yeah. she was kind of working with these companies so it was but you know it wasn't um i don't think it was the most well-paid job in the year in the world like um but she as i say she i remember can never remember not working i know my mum had a couple of years like a few years off of me and my brother was born um and she was like, you know, until we started primary school, I think, and then she went back to work, and then I can just never remember them not working, really. Yeah. Do you think those worth ethics were passed down? Like, Certainly, to yeah, you? because, yeah, I can't... As I say, I've I've been working since I was 14, and uh, and I've never... Well, 13, if you count my paper around, but, yeah, and it's it was never a thing of, like... You know, there's ne- there was never a point of going, like, it wasn't an option not having a job. Do you know what I mean? Not in yeah. a way where I was scared to, but it was just like, I just looked forward to going out and working, do you know, like I, I had a real kind of, you know, having your own money and being able to go and buy things for yourself. And, you know, even when I did me pay, when I got a paper round and then started washing dishes in an Italian restaurant, me and my mate, I'm a fucking crap. And, uh, I know, but you get that sense of independence. Yeah, you? it was great. Honestly, God, remember this shift we did at this Italian restaurant when we started? 
and we didn't know how much we were getting paid. And we went in at five o'clock and we worked till half past one in the morning. And we was only, I think I was 14 and my mate was 15, but we said we were both 15. Yeah. At the end of the night, this guy was paying us, this Italian bloke, he looked like something out of Goodfellas. And he was like, pulls this wad of cash out of his pocket and he pulls like 20 pound out and gives it to, to, to me mate. And we were thinking, 10 of each, get in, this is quality. <laughs> then he pulls out another 20, fucking 20 quid each. It's like, each. And we're like, we come out of there. And we, I remember skipping down the street, 20. Then you look at it, it's like two pounds something an hour. I was like, <laughs> it was absolutely exhausted, 14 years old. But yeah, certainly like it was, it was good. And I think, you know, my mum and dad really, um, Put, put that into me with work and I, I, I wanted to, to work. I, it wasn't like a thing of like, hey, look at me, I'm working. But, and my granddad as well, like, I always remember my granddad telling me he started working in, he worked in kitchens when he was younger. Yeah. And I idolised my granddad. He had some real great stories and about, he worked on like, the, on ships, on the Queen Elizabeth II and stuff. And, okay. you know, like, and, uh, and, and I just always wanted to like get a job and like, you know, I'd be like, Granddad, I've got a job now, I'm working, I'm gonna buy some stuff for this bought this for my wages, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. A sense of like pride with it really. And uh yeah, it was good and do you know, like with school and stuff like that, I mean when I went to school, I left school, I wasn't wasn't good at school. in what way? Academically? Yeah, no, it wasn't wasn't for me at all. Um Did you just not get on with it? Or was it stuff like you know, sometimes you just go I just don't, this does not compute, compute with me. Yeah, no, all. I'm not good at, so, at being sat down uh, and someone like, I don't like learning like by remembering something out of a book and then cop, remember, put, leaving that in your head and then copying that down on a piece of paper. Mm. I was telling someone the other week and it was quite funny really. I was about doing an exam or something. I said, I don't think I've ever opened an exam paper when I was in school and looked at the first question and gone, yes, I know that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've always looked at the first one and then looked around and gone, fucking hell, what's going on here? And know? then you look at everybody else and they're like, ah, yeah, yeah. They, well, that, why do they all know? Yeah, I was just, I wasn't uh, a, a new, I wasn't, I was shit. Like I got in a bit of, bits of trouble, but only the kind of trouble where, I'm sure you hear this a lot in with kind of these people who work with what, what we do and stuff, but it's just like, I was just like daft. I think that sums me up the most with what, what I was like in school. Daft. I enjoyed going. I had, a lot, I had mates. I had, was, you know what I mean? But I was just like the, the idiot. In th- I like, you know, like PE and we'd go, go out for PE and I'd pull my shorts up so like, I look like hot pants or good at like doing impressions of teachers or like doing impressions of people who were well harder than me when, when they weren't listening. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And just, just, just there for other people's entertainment, really. So you're really playing up to that. Yeah, like yeah. going in our music lesson and pressing demo on the keyboard, then singing <laughs> over the top of it like I was on X Factor. I don't know, just, you know, just stupid things like that. My brother was quite good at school. My brother's a, te- a teacher now. Oh, is he? Yeah, so he, it was kind of like, um, um, he'd never had like a detention or anything like that in, in school all the way through. And then I started school. I think it was like first three weeks I got a detention. And I was like, shit, I don't think he's ever had one. He's only two years older than me. And then I think I, I first one, I think I wrote a letter of apology to the teacher and I was like, she she let me off. And then I was like, right, won't get a deten- uh, detention now for the next five years. And I think I got one like the day after, do you know, it was just <laughs> just through being a fucking idiot, really. But, Best laid plans. Yeah. We, so, do you remember what you got a detention for, first one? Oh, it, it will have definitely been talking when I shouldn't have been. Answering and, back. Answering back a bit, yeah. But it was more just like being a being an idiot just being a complete idiot and and that that's that's just do you know what i mean like 
it must have been frustrating for teachers because when I left school, I ended up with, um, well, you, you know, they always used to say, you get, get, your, get your five A star to C and then you're sorted. You'll get, you know, you can do what you want. But I was working, fucking, I was working as a chef by this point because I'd gone from washing up in one place to washing up in another to chefing. And I was like, I know what I'm doing, so... Was that the outcome, that you wanted to be a chef? Yeah, because I just I just got quite decent at it because I'd, I'd been working in kitchens and been around kitchens and and I was like, I'd finished school and then I'd go and do a five finishing, washing up, and then I told them I started peeling carrots and then I started making salads and I, next thing you know, I was doing starters. Then I was, you know, so it, it just... You it, really it, were working from the bottom up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and with school, so I got, I got three GCS, I got three A to C and then the rest of them was... Absolutely laughable. There was like four U's, a G. I didn't even know you could get a G, to be honest with you. And uh, do you know when people say, "Oh, I, did, I was I was the clown at school," and they go, "But I went to university." I was like, "I proper was like, I I paid the price for it." Mate, do you know what I mean with my with my results? And it was, must have been frustrating in hindsight to see. I talked to my brother about this a bit when he talks about pupils, and he was like, "Because on paper you'd look at them results and you go, you must be quite thick, you. Do you know what I mean?' And I, and I'm not. I'm, I'm just." I'm not, I'm just, I think my my attention span isn't great. Yeah. You can't sit me near a window if there's a, if there's PE going on outside because I'll be like fucking dangling out <laughs> or watching football. Or, and then it was that classic one where I ended up in a lot of uh, times in school with, right, I'm going to sit you right in front of me, the teacher be on your own. So they'd be like the teacher's desk and then I'd be right in front of them just making <laughs> eye contact. So it's like, literally like you're, you're within like touching distance. You can't, you can't play up if you sat on your own within like, 12 inch of me and still that didn't work and I remember once um, uh, went to a parents evening in year 11 and my mum and dad they knew I wasn't good at school but they, they give me the you know the correct bollockings but I think they knew that whatever they did it wasn't going to make me like an A star student they were just like just get through it and then then we'll we figure that out yeah later. and they knew my work ethic was quite good because I was getting up and I was going to the work in the kitchens all the time so they knew alright I might be missing my own work and my coursework but at least you you're doing work, work, yeah. you know. So, so I remember my mum uh, taking me to parents' evening with her because she said it's fucking, it's too embarrassing going on my own. <laughs> <laughs> she said it when the sun there ripping. Be, I want you to sit there at the side of me. And my mum is the loveliest woman alive. Like she's like fucking Princess Diana or something. My mum, she's amazing, but she's uh, she <laughs> she sat next to me, and I remember this perfectly. This English teacher going, going. As I said in his report, really, um, I moved, and I thought, shit, now I knew this report had come and I'd, I'd intercepted it from the postman, right? And I put it, I did it under this little thing where I had my chef's knives. Anyway, so she went, As it, and then I thought, just please don't pick up on what he just said, just carry on. And I can feel myself like burning. And she was like, what report? Oh. And I was like, the report we sent home is year 11 report. She was like, I don't think I've received this. Now, a few years earlier, one of them had been, one of my reports had been sent to another another pupil with the similar similar surname and that gave me a bit of a, an excuse i was like it'll been sent to her won't it bloody boy worthington again <laughs> that's what's gone on there i got away with it. Did, yeah. and it and then i was like so and then i was like yes i've got away with it he sat there with a laptop in front of him this teacher and he goes oh well i've got a copy of what it says here oh. put it round and i'm like oh why have you done that <laughs> and he goes like and then he was this was a teacher who as i'll tell you in a minute did something kind of which really kind of had a knock-on effect with everything. And he said, um, he said, he's, he's missing three pieces of coursework now. She, and he was like, I like Chris. I know he's a good lad. And he's fucking got a, 
he's intelligent, he's bright, but he's a he's an idiot, you know. <laughs> and he's like, if he does these three pieces of coursework, he will get GCSEs in English because I know that he's clever enough and he's took in enough to pass the exams. I yeah. know he is. He's in the top set, and I don't. I, they put that was the only one I ever ended up in the top set for English. I don't know why. I just. Maybe I was a bit better at that, or the creative writing kind of thing. Or maybe I could just turn my answer that a bit better. But and then I saw my mum. Anyway, went around this parents' evening, shamed to death. My mum. Anyway, she's like, right, you're gonna have to do them three pieces of course. Like I'm not having you having fucking no GCSEs. So I was like, right, I'll do them. And then she kind of got on me back for them, and I did three, three pieces of coursework. Did the exam, and um, I got two Bs in English. Right. So I passed that just because that was the only one where someone was breathing down my neck and going. Get that, get that passed, you know yeah, what I mean? that's obviously what you needed for that. Yeah, and there was a, going a bit further on from this, that same teacher, Yeah, which is, which is weird. Um, do you know your work experience? Uh. So I, I put down, um, I put down catering, right? And then it come up and they went, there's a catering job. It's, it's a dinner lady in a school. And I was like, fucking belting. They don't work long hours. My mates was going work and we were like, brickies and plasterers and like but five yeah yeah and they're proper getting the money's worth out of them <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like in a freezing cold garage in bloody like par or somewhere so so he was like do you want it and i was like i'm gonna be a dinner lady this will be quality and uh so i think i started at like half eight and i worked till about quarter past one it was brilliant <laughs> like even shorter hours in school and uh and then i could i could do extra shifts at, at the uh at the pub where i was working in the kitchen and then I was like, and then we went back in school. <clears throat> and part of our GCSE English module was to, I've talked about this in my, in my first Edinburgh show, uh, to to do a speech in front of the class about what we'd done for our work experience. And I'd worked as a dinner lady for two weeks, right? So everyone's getting up and they were like, you know, I, to, I was working in a hairdresser's and I was making cups of tea and then I get up and everyone's like got these speeches written, obviously fucking me not done any prep for this but i thought i'm just gonna get up and tell the class about me being a 15 year old male dinner lady just wing it yeah yeah winged it right honest to god in, and like saying hindsight now it was it was my first bloody stand-up gig weren't it because i'm there talking about being a dinner lady at 15 the class are in stitches right? and i'm i'm just like i'm like telling them the stories like yeah so we all used to sit around and talk about i'm a celebrity get me out of here and i tried marmite for the first time and i had a similar haircut to one of them as well because this woman and i was like and i said i had this urnet on and tab on, and i said those anyway i can't even remember what i said but the class was, and then that same teacher the english teacher he went up to me and he was like that was the best one I've ever seen anyone do that. He said, you had the class in the palm of your hand. He said, have you ever thought about doing stand-up comedy? And I was like, yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? But And then it was like one of them things where it just planted a seed in my head. Stand-up comedy somewhere around here. And um, and then I, it was like, well, yeah, I'll try that one day. And obviously, I, ne- I never... I didn't, you know, that was, at, that was at 16 and it took... But how incredible for a teacher to say that I know, and plant that seed. I know. And go, yeah, this you, this is something that you could do. That ended up, that story ended up being a routine in me, in me first show, in me first Edinburgh show as well. Like that, the whole dinner lady work experience thing was done it on the bloody telly, do you know what I mean? So yeah. it was, it was, uh, it was crazy how, it, how it's gone full circle, but it took, obviously I left school and then, um, I was working as a chef. I went to, and then I did a one day a week at college, but then I jibbed that because... What were you doing one day a week at college? It was like an apprenticeship to get a qualification in being a chef. Right, okay. But then I, I couldn't do that. The college I just found, I was, it, I was 
I knew what I was doing. I knew how to be a chef. I didn't need to go to college. I didn't need to go and sit in Warrington Collegiate and sit in a classroom while people talked about stuff. So I, I spoke to the guys like, do you mind if I just do an extra shift and I'll just not get the qualification? I don't... I think my mum and dad weren't so keen on me. They would have rather me. It's like, done that. But they, they kind of knew. And then I did the chefing a bit longer. And then... Um, Were you enjoying being a chef? Yeah, it was good. But I was did it from like 14, 15, 16, 17. I'd gone working in one place and another. Then in a, in a French restaurant in Warrington. And then by the time I was 17, I was falling out of love with it a bit because... Why? When you, because the hours you do when gonna you, say. you're 17 and all your mates are starting going out on the piss and like you're like is this what I want to do or is this just because I can't do out else do you know what I mean and, and you're and, cleaning down at like midnight yeah and and you know it, it was like I'd, I'd kind of lost touch with a lot of my mates and I didn't have that court I, I, I still had mates but I didn't have like they were all going to the pub and I wasn't part of that because obviously Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday they're the busiest shift yeah. so that's when they're going out drinking they're all at college and there was a bit of thingy, a few moments at that point where I thought, shit, I have I have fucked it up here. Do you know, I didn't panic much, but I was like, yeah, they they got the five GCSEs and they've gone, they can just enjoy being at college now and do a part-time job on a, you know, on a Saturday morning or something and, and the mum won't give them any grief because they're getting a college. I, I'll be getting grief because I didn't have anything to fall back on. So sure. I, I couldn't I couldn't really... Yeah, so, so by the time I got to seventeen, I thought, right, I'm gonna to have to change things up a bit here. So I, so I, I went getting a working in a garden centre in the bistro during the day there. So that made, still still cooking, yeah, still yeah. cooking, and uh, and that freed up the evenings then. So it made it a bit more thingy. And then I started thinking, I don't even want to do the chefing anymore. I'm gonna do something else. So then I thought, I'll be a be a painter and decorator. <laughs> I don't know where this idea came in my head from. <laughs> Fucking painter and decorator, I'd, and then. This sounds ridiculous, but then I'd, I'd, I did like a three-day or four-day-a-week course at college, and I started college, uh, and I was doing this course and for painting and decorating. Yeah. I don't know why, because I was absolutely crap, and I never had any desire to do it, but I think my dad, when I told my dad I was going to do it, he seemed like, he put a smile on his face, if to go, my son's doing something hands-on. I think he probably knew I was fucking useless at stuff like that anyway, but he was like, I think I liked the reaction that he got from my dad, and he was like, all right, well, if you're going to quit chefing, Chris, you need another... Yeah, you need another some a skill or some practical to be able to do. So I went doing the painting and decorating. But by the time I got to college, I'm like 17 at this point. I'm working part time in the garden centre doing my college um, thing, and I and I uh, I thought um, I, I was like I don't I can't do I'm, I'm shit. And not only was I shit at painting and decorating, I was scared of heights. So I, I don't know why I was going up a ladder. I was like, I can't go up a ladder. So I'm going to make one of these painted and decorators. I'd have probably done this room here. Can you see where you can paint up to there? Yeah. And then like, yeah, that, you're going to have to get someone else in for that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> if you can't see on the podcast, it's like three quarters grey, this room, and then the rest of it's been left white. So, so um, it's a choice. <laughs> but yeah, so then, so, but also on top of all of this, I approach college like I approach school. And people was coming to get this qualification. And there's people older than me, like in the 20s and stuff. And they wanted to get this thingy to go and be painted as an accurate. And I was like, fucking class idiot again. Yeah. So it didn't work. And these, and you don't expect that when you're in college because it's optional college. You don't, and that's, that's, I got pulled by the tutors a couple, a few times. They're going, people don't behave like this in college, Chris, because it's optional. You behave like that in school because you have to be at school, but you can't come to college and be a fucking idiot. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Like if you don't want to be, if you don't want to behave like a fucking idiot, behave like an idiot in your own time yeah, at go home. somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, right, okay. And then, as a mad turn of events, I don't know where this came from. I think I know where it came from, really. But um, 
postman popped in my head, right? Right. So I was like, I think I'd seen postman walking around in shorts with headphones in. I was like, that looks like a mint job, that. Headphones. Uh, 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 wait a minute, let me stop. We're going back here now to the dinner lady, because dinner lady, half day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Half day. Half day, exactly. And it was just like walking around in shorts, headphones in, fresher, no one mithering you, no one on your back all day. I've and done then, a paper round. It can't be any yeah, easier. Yeah, exactly. I was half that. decent at the paper <sighs> round. I'll turn in in the morning, and it was my first one of going, and then I'll, I'll be like getting decent money because it's Royal Mail, so they're going to pay an all right wage, aren't they? I just need to get my foot in the door. And um, I was like, I, I know I'd be good at a postman. And if you've, I don't know if you watched EastEnders, but have you seen the postman on that? I'd, I'd been watching EastEnders, and he does like only does like Albert Square, and then sits in the cafe all day. <laughs> so I was like, and I weren't lazy. I just wanted, to, I just like. I don't know, I just thought, yeah. You know that's not a documentary, don't you? Yeah, well, that's what I realised when I started. First day and they gave me seven bags of letters. I was like, fuck, you know, it's not like this in EastEnders, is it? So, so yeah, so then I applied for this job. Uh, postman, Warrington, 30-odd hours. I like, went, went to the interview, did all right in the interview because, I'm, you know, I'm, I can talk. And uh, I thought that went well. Got a phone call, didn't get it, gutted. Absolutely gutted. Did they tell you why you didn't get it? Y- yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they said, no, I passed the interview, that was it. Right. But I didn't get the role, so they're going, you interviewed great, however, the role went to someone else, there was only one role, so you're on a waiting list now for if another job comes up, and this was in Warrington, this, and then I went on a fishing trip with my dad to Holland and a few of his mates, and I'm, I'm waiting to go, and I'm still gutted about not being, not getting, I found out, actually, in Holland that I hadn't got the postman job, and then we're waiting to go home, and I got a phone call as we were getting on the ferry, and it was like, there is another job come up, it's in Farmworth. And I was like, Belting, I'll take it. Yes, definitely. That I'm, I'll do it. Nice one. Where's that, Chris? Um, like, geographically, like, from, Farmworth. Well, from Warrington to Farmworth. This is what I'm going to explain now. Then I put the phone down and I've just accepted this job. And then I went to my dad, Dad, where's Farmworth? I've just accepted a job there. I didn't have a fucking clue where ah, it was. right. It was in Bolton, so it wasn't too far. But right. it was a bit of a mooch and it was only a 24-hour contract. So I started working as a postman in Farmworth. And it was, it was decent, you know, it was, and I started in the June, so it was a nice time of year to be starting a job like that. And what and year is this now, Chris? 2007, this is. 2007. I'm 18 years old. Right. So, um, 18 years old, doing that, then I'm doing the overtime because I've got extra money and I was, I was blooming for it and I was taking out extra rounds and then this boss came from Wigan and he was like, where'd you live here? And I was like, I live near Wigan. He was like, why don't you get a transfer to Wigan? I was like. Oh, shit, yeah. I, I mean, I'd love to. I didn't know how you'd go about doing that. So then I did the, the big money transfer to Wigan. <laughs> and then, um, yeah. And then, I uh, that was 2008. So you've been doing it a year? Yeah. And then I, I transferred to Wigan, delivering in Ashton then, where, where my nan lives. So yeah. I'm popping around my nans all the time, like making me dinner all the time when I'm working. And then... Um, Working with a great, great, great bunch of people as well at Royal Mail. Such a good job of like a real, it was a good job for me because, do you know when I say messing about in school? Yeah. It felt like you could, it felt like school because everyone's a fucking idiot at Royal Mail. Do you know what I mean? It's like a continuation from school, but you don't get, you can get away with a bit more. Do you know what I mean? And you're so, getting paid for it. Yeah. And yeah. you because they know that, all right, you're messing about in a bit this morning, but by the time you've all bundled your letters up and got your bags on your back, you're out and then, you know, so as long as you're getting your work done and you're messing about, it's fine. So there's a real good laugh, some real funny characters who I work with who who were just 
yeah, it was a good place to be because you could have the crap with the lads and then you got the fresh air, you got the overtime and I was doing loads of overtime. Earning, earning, you know what I mean? I always thought like, if I'm earning two fifty a week, it's a thousand pound a month. That's that's great. Yeah, are we still living at home at this point? Yeah, still yeah. living with my mum until I was twenty one when I moved out, and um, and yeah, and 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 then I that was it really. It was postman, and I, I did it two thousand and seven to two thousand and eighteen. Did you? Yeah, yeah. So I I stopped the I I left in January two thousand and eighteen after. After the Edinburgh nomination, so when so we need to just go back a bit. When did the realization come to you? Even though it's the seeds already been yeah, planted yeah. years ago. When did you make the decision that you were going to try this? Right. So what happened was right. This is a bit of like two different stories. I had comedy in my head. I always had comedy. This I wouldn't say I'm the biggest comedy fan, but I liked. I like the royal family. I love Peter Kay, Phoenix Knights, Early Doors. And more importantly, you obviously love making people laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I had this in my head, and then I had this idea, right, for a sitcom in my head. And I was like, and it was because me, we used to go to this bar where they did karaoke, and me and my mate, used, the, the DJ was a tragic bastard. <laughs> and uh, me and my mate was like, he's like fucking, like a sitcom character him. And my mate liked sitcoms as well, and I was like, Let's write something. I've missed out a big chunk of where I was in a band here. All right, go back. It's fine. We jump around the timeline on this all the time. Right, so should I tell you about when I was in a band? Yeah. Well, whatever whatever order you think we should Right, well, well, when I was at Royal Mail in 2007, I started a band with my mates called the U Beauties. (laughs) It was with, like, three of my mates. Um, So it's tattooed on my arm, actually, but... uh, um, was, that, it, was this as a, as a hobby or was this something that you thought, No, so, right, right this, is, this is what I mean. My brain has always worked in this weird way where the band thing, right, we were, we were shit, really. We, we gigged. We gigged around Wigan and Preston and Liverpool, Manchester, you know, dry bar night and day and stuff like that. But we, we, I just had this, this thing. I remember listening to music, right? This sounds weird when I say this now. I remember thinking, how can you... There was this little bit in my head where I was thinking, how can you enjoy music if you're not trying to make music? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know this weird thing of like, how can it, and it'd be like, I'd feel as though like, I'd feel guilty if I, if I you can't just enjoy it and not try and do it yourself. Do you know what I mean? And I, that doesn't, that, and, and then I didn't, in my head, obviously in hindsight, that's just a creative thing in your brain, yeah. that, isn't it? But at the time I remember thinking like, how do I, how, how would anyone just sit and, listen to this and not not get that not give them that kind of hunger to be doing it themselves and um and then me and my mate and three of my mates that classic thing of like well none of us can play anything right well i'm lead singer <laughs> you can be and we could all play I'd, I'd played a bit of guitar in high school and that but i never do you know when people start bands they always want to get dead good on guitar yeah and then they start off by playing covers then they do their own songs and then so on and so forth i never wanted to do any covers because and I didn't really want to get good on guitar. I just wanted to get good enough to make my own songs. So there was never a thing of like, oh, we would do covers because we weren't good enough to do covers. We were good enough to just play the, you know, your power chords or your C G D E. Do you know what I mean? And then just then I'll write some some lyrics out about it because this is at like two thousand. If you're thinking about the time of this, when this is two thousand seven, two thousand six, we've come up with this idea. It's when like Arctic Monkeys what 
whatever people say on my album. So I, yeah. and that album really, for, for my age at that time, was like, you know, when there's probably been albums with yourselves uh, where it, you feel like an album speaks to you and you're like, God, every song on that could be written about me. Do you know mm. what I mean? Every al- And it was kind of a thing that, that was the one that made me want to be in a band and it was like, he was like, he's like poetic, Alex Turner, with his lyrics. You know what I mean? And yeah. It's such, such like, um, you know, it's like every lyric, he kind of like, I was in awe of it. And I thought, I want to do something where I'm, I'm doing something where I'm, I'm putting my creative kind of brain to use and I'm writing lyrics about, like, you know, and, and it, they were, we, I say we were shit. We, I couldn't. I wasn't the best singer. We weren't the best musicians, but we had a bit of a sound, and people came and watched us, and they enjoyed it. And I think we could see we were enjoying ourselves. And um, yeah, and then when I was in this band, the the three other lads who were in it, Spud, Chris, uh, Kinta, Spud and Chris are going to be best men at my wedding next year. So right. we're like real best mates as well. Um, it became very uh, apparent quite quickly that. Um, I was a bit of a fucking nutter, really, with it. I was fucking, like, they were like, why is Washi, like, so full on? Why is he, like, a slave driver? Do you know what I mean? And I was like, we need to practice, right? Four hours a time. Let's do five days. And I was like, let's just hit it hard. Because like, I said, we, we're in charge of this now. And this, it's, like, the exact opposite of what I was like in school, really. Of, of yeah. being, because it, it, it really... It, it, gave me, like, this hunger of being, like, we can be whatever we want to be if we work hard enough for this. Well, it's so interesting you say that, because I was thinking when you're listening to it, listening to you talking then, and throughout everything we've spoken about so far, this is the most passion you've put into yeah, yeah. and detail that you've put into your words, and I can see that yeah, it obviously it, meant something to it, you at that it time. It really was. But my mates, it was... I wouldn't say they didn't care about it, but they certainly didn't have that kind of... Dry, spud maybe a bit Chris not as much Kinter had just come along for the ride and play play drums but all great lads but I was like right I'll make us a website I'll, I'll write this song I'm, I'm writing lyrics I'm staying up right I'm I'm learning these chords I've, I've, I've got I've recorded this little demo bit on my phone I've like let's book this place we can't afford it right, I'll pay for everyone like do you know what I mean and that's where you get like right we'll run up a tab and then we'll just fucking we'll, we'll, we'll blag them and say that it isn't as much as it is when we, when we get around to paying it do you know what I mean all these little things and then we started doing gigs, and it was like then we were playing like the Citadel Night and Day Dry Bar, and it was like this whole thing of I just know that it would have been a, a band where it was just we played in a bedroom and it never got out of a bedroom if I hadn't have been behind it the driving yeah. force, and I was like right and uh, but we weren't good enough really, and it, it it got harder and harder as it went on because it's not that we weren't good enough we probably would have been all right but. Um, there, my my hunger for it was far much further than anyone else's. I was like, I was, and it gets to a point where I was shouting at him, I was falling out with my best mates, and I was like, "You don't fucking give a shit about this. You, you're not bothered about this because." And when we play and everyone's watching us and going, "Why are we not as good as the next band?" On it'll be because you've not worked hard enough, and you've not worked hard enough, and you've not worked hard enough, and I'm working hard enough. So you lot better. F- and next thing you know, fucking one of them's left, aren't they? Because yeah. Washi's a nutter. And then it got to the thing where it it, it became that I was, we were going on and on and I it, we did it for like two or three years, and it just kind of went. I was like, yeah, it's not it's not music, is it? Music isn't isn't the one for me. I love music, but I'm not I'm not I'm lyrics and writing creatively possibly, but in terms of like singing and playing guitar, I'll never be good enough on guitar because 
you know, like most people, if they play guitar in a band, they'd have a guitar at their house, wouldn't they? And they'd pick yeah. up an acoustic if they went somewhere. I've not played a guitar in fucking eight years or something, you know, or whenever. Uh, I just don't, I only played a guitar to be in a band, to do songs, to be in front of people, to create something. You know, it wasn't for a love of playing guitar, it was for a love of creating. Yeah. And, um, but at this point, you were still figuring out what it was, what yeah. the thing was, weren't you? And and the truth is that we. So now I'll go back to the sitcom thing. We're now at the sitcom thing. The band's finished, and I'm thinking right. And I say to me mate, let's do this sitcom. Let's write it. I don't know how to write a sitcom. No fucking idea. Bought bought a script book off Amazon, Phoenix Nights, and read through it. And I thought, have a go at writing in that style on Word. And then, um, and then. Uh, my mate, same again, really. Start writing this sitcom with my mate. Come up with a title. Come up with a premise. Come up with characters. I'm writing on. The, I'm working on the post. I'm coming up. I've got a little notebook in my pocket. I'm walking around my post round, coming up with character ideas. <coughs> and then, my mate, who I'm writing it with, it's like it becomes clear that oh yeah, it was a funny idea to talk about in the pub and take the mick out of and talk about hypothetically writing a sitcom. But when it gets into it, and I come round to your flat when you're at Union Liverpool, and I've drove. Thinking, I've got work the next morning, and you can't take your eye off the telly when I'm trying to talk about a story arc because after after doing some research on the internet or something, and then, and then I'm like, you don't give a shit, and I'm back to where I was with the band, and I'm yeah. like, this isn't, I can't, and then it, now it's becoming clear <laughs> to you that I, can, I need to be on my own doing <laughs> yeah, something, I was about to and say I'm not that. fucking Justin Timberlake, so it's not going to be <laughs> singing, and it, so then I, you can't just become a sitcom writer when you've no. You know, people go to uni to do this, and it's very hard to get in as a, as a as a writer mm. when you've got nothing and no experience, and you've not been around them kind of people. Yeah. So then, I said to me, mate, I was like, sorry if I'm going on a bit. No, but, no, this is what it's all about. Chris. But I was like, uh, and I don't know why I said this. But I was like, you know what, bollocks to you. Well, not. I've got I've got this thing of just being like, I'm like a secret bastard, me really. But um, <laughs> secret bastard. That's what I always say to me, agent, <laughs> secret bastard. But uh, and then I was like, right, I don't know why I said this to me, mate, because I, I didn't know how to do it. But I was like, you know what, I'm jibbing that sitcom. I wasn't jibbing it. I was I was putting it on hold until I could get around to it on my own. But yeah. I can't. And it was my idea. To be fair, it was totally me. It, he was just agreed with me while I. Twelve pints in, talked in his ear about how good it would be as a sitcom. And you kind of dragged him on for the yeah, ride yeah, anyway, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, and um, and then I said, you know what, mate? I'm jibbing that sitcom. We'll um, we'll do. I'm going to do stand up. And he's like, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do stand up. He's like, all right. What, what are you going to do? I was like, I've got I've got, I've got it all planned now. I'm going to do. I didn't have a fucking clue what I was doing. <laughs> I didn't know how to be a stand up. Didn't have a clue how to be a stand up. <laughs> who, do, who do I know who's a stand up? No one. Never met a stand up before. Couldn't tell you anyone. You know, stand-ups are on the telly. Stand-ups are bloody Peter Kay and Frankie Boyle and them people on bloody, you know what I mean, Mock the Week and all that. Yeah. So then I was like, right. And then I just said this and I thought, right, fucking hell, I'm going to have to... Um... Put money where my mouth is yeah, now. Yeah, but, but I also didn't have a single clue how to do it. So then I'm going on holiday with my girlfriend to Egypt, right? And uh, Becky's mad reader, loves reading... I read one book in my life, Ronnie O'Sullivan's autobiography. It took me about 10 years. I can't read. I, I find it really hard reading. I find it... Because of your focus and concentration? Maybe a bit, yeah. Maybe I'm just... I, I can't, reading is, is like... I find it really difficult. I'm not like dyslexic or anything like that, but I'm just... Maybe my attention isn't there. Yeah. Like it, 
every time I turn a page, I'm like, if I'm sat next to Becky, I'm like, another one. Do you know what I mean? I want, I want rewarding for it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, going back to school there, Chris, being put by the window and you're just looking out yeah, and people playing PA. Totally, yeah. My brother, was, my brother was an absolute bookworm as well. He loved reading. I remember like sitting in comic shops with him as a kid and I, he'd be like just sat there next to wallpaper supplies in Wigan while he was going through, and he loved it. And Becky loves reading. And we're leaving the house to go to Egypt and there's a book in my house. I don't know where it's come from, this book. It's Frankie Boyle, My Shit Life So Far. I was like, who's is this book? She's like, I don't know how that's ended up in here. You know, do you know when you, someone yeah. says a book ends up in your house and you're like, we've got a bookshelf and Becky's got loads of books. So it's pretty, they fetched it from an aunt's and it's been a cousin's or something. And I've gone, and <laughs> when we're on holiday, if your girlfriend's a bookworm and reading all the time, and this is before the days where you had international roaming on your phone so you could play on your phone, I'm just sat at the pool like fucking bored stiff do you know what I mean yeah so I was like right I'm gonna read this book and I think she's like yeah of course yeah all right then so I I start reading we get there and I first day I start reading Frankie Boyle my shit life so far and I'm for you know when like I say I'm like I read a page and I'm looking around for like um kind of uh like gratification or something yeah with that book it just was like um I was like 30 pages in before I even thought about it. I was like, you just completely engrossed. This has never, I've never read a book like this before. I've never, I've never been this interested in something before. Yeah. And then, and then I was like, next thing you know, and I've finished this book like four days into the holiday. And, and when I read Frankie Boyle's book, it was as though it all clicked. It was like, you can be a comedian. He's just a normal bloke who's had a go at doing comedy. And, and that's all I am, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. And I, it just—it wasn't like it was. He's just a, a guy who was quite funny, and then he's gone and done some open mics. I was like, right, open mic. There we go. I'll do an open mic. So the pennies so, dropped by reading that that this could possibly yeah, be because, a viable career for you, or even just to have a go at it. Do right. You know what I mean, not even. I wasn't thinking career at this point. I'm just more thinking. Well, I can have a go at it. I could, you know, it could treat it like the band. I can just chop myself into it and see what happens, and it, and. And it was really like, I'd, I'd, I thought, right, I'm going to do that. And I had like a couple of of stories where like, I remember like taking my dog to the vets, right? And uh, I'd paid 100 quid for the dog as a rescue dog. Still got him now, our Oscar. And um, and then he, he said it was going to cost 140 quid to fix him. And I was like, he's a write-off then, isn't he? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, And I remember telling <laughs> my mate's mum this story. And we're, we're at this do. And my mate's mum's having me going around telling... Uh, all the friends, this story. By this point, it's like it's become less of a story, more of a routine. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And then I'm thinking on on my sunbed in Egypt, bloody Sharm El Sheikh. I'm like, well, I'll just tell them that story about the dog, about what, fixing the dog myself when I when I got spray on plaster for his ear and I, I didn't take it in. And then I'll and then I'll talk, I talk. I kind of compared the story in my head, like of going to a car garage when you don't know anything about cars. He's same as going to the vets. And I had this kind of thing in my head then, and I thought, and then I'll talk about being a postman, about all the times when blokes have answered the door and off and on and stuff. So I had these two little ideas, and then I was like, right, I'm going to book a gig. And I said to Becky and Ollie, I'm going to book a gig. And I had this idea that you have to look like you know what you're on about in the vets. So I bought this like T-shirt with a big dog's face on it. And, and, and I thought, I'll wear a jacket. And at the end of it, I'll, it'll be like an act out where I go in the vets. And I'm like, all right, pal. Um, and it was like me talking like I'm in a garage. I was like, yeah, uh, I can't even remember the bit. But I did that in my first Edinburgh show as well. And it, 
anyway, I bought this T-shirt and I was like, Beck, I'm doing a gig. And then I found this forum, the Manchester Comedy Forum. And uh, <laughs> and it was like, I found out that there's these things called gong shows at the Frog and Bucket. Just so, ex- for people who don't, I know what you're going to say, yeah. but for people who don't know what a gong show is, can you just explain what it so is? So it's where you, new comedians get up and they try and get to five minutes and they give the audience, three people in the audience a card. And if you get three cards they gong you off and you can't complete your five. If you get to the five, you get to the end of the... Sh- Everyone who makes it to the five minutes, they play like, hallelujah, at the end of it, or something like that, I think it was. And then um, and then you all go up at the end and whoever gets the biggest cheer from the audience wins the, the gong show yeah. that night. It's quite... People say it's brutal, but tell you what, you find out if you're funny or not at them, do you know? I bet. And, and I f- so there was Preston Frog and Bucket and Manchester Frog and Bucket. So in my head, right, because I had this still uh, this little driven creative thing i don't know what what i was thinking really but i found this forum and there was like there's this comedy night in tilsley where they put on a headliner and they have like loads of newer comedians first so i was like right i'll email him i'll try and get a gig this bloke and i remember when we was in a band right we used to email for gigs and it was very different but we always used to put the subjects as emails as something daft just to catch someone's attention yeah now i i we always thought it was funny me and spud sending these emails so it'd be like fuck it I don't know, something absolutely like Mr. Blobby Gravy or so. I don't even know. Do you know just something where you go, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, what, what, what we were thinking. I don't, no one told us that. We just thought we were being, we thought we'd crack the system, but <laughs> fucking idiots, really. <laughs> so I've put as a subject in this email for my first stand up gig. I remember the subject was, jo- <laughs> I don't know where this came from. John Fashionu fancy dress costume, right? <laughs> now, I don't, what, why I've sent this to a fucking comedy promoter, I do not know. But anyway, I've sent this email to this to this uh, promoter. <laughs> I, and I, I'm I'm blagging in the email here. I'm like, I've got I've, yeah, I've been thinking about stand up for a while. I've got some got some bits and pieces. I want to work through some 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 material. I was like, fucking, I've just got this story. I've been telling at Spud's mum's party. I've got fuck all else. <laughs> so then he comes back. And he goes, yeah, do you want to come on next week? I was like, Jesus Christ, I didn't think you'd be like that quick. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, no, I'm a, I'm still away next week, mate. Um, We'll do the week after uh, or sometime in the future, hoping that it'll go, yeah, come down in three months. And he goes, yeah, well, let's just do the week after then. And I was like, well, do you want it or not? Do you know what I mean? You've got to do it the week yeah. after then, two weeks now. You've got you've got to go and do it. So then I booked that in. Then I also booked in the two gong shows. At so both I, Preston and Manchester. Yes, I booked in three gigs. And I thought, if the first one goes shit, I can't run away because I've got to do two more. So I've got to give myself three chances to find out if I can do this. Yeah. So I was like, right, okay. So I've booked three gigs in now. Then I've gone watching the gong show and I was like, oh God, these are all quite funny and this is a bit brutal. Then I went watching one at the Ape and Apple in uh, in Manchester and it was like a, an open comedy balloon. It's run for years. It's very like sparse on numbers, but people getting up in it. I was amazed by it because people were getting up and having a go and you could tell they were new. And I thought, I'm as, I'm as good as these, I think. I hope I am anyway. Yeah. I mean, and I saw like Brennan Reese, who, who's done this yeah, podcast, yeah, and he's Brennan, become yeah. a mate. And I met him before he did stand up, and I was like, he, I was like a funny audience member, but not like a heckling, just more like I was just really enjoying myself. And he'd get involved, and then I'd he'd say something, I'd say something funny. It kind of, you know, when hecklers say, "I was helping you out," I wasn't, I wasn't being a prick, but I was totally enjoying the moment and everything. Yeah. And uh, I went and watched him, and then I did, and then I was like, right, I, I, I went and did my first gig. And uh, it was in Tilsley. Did five minutes in a pub in Tilsley for the guy who had done John Fashion New Fancy Dress costume too. He didn't reference, mention that, thank God. <laughs> but I told one of my best mates, Chris, who was in the band, the only person I told was Becky, 
Chris and my mum, and my mum's response was, um, what if no one laughs? Now, that ain't because she didn't think I was funny. She's just worried that her little boy is going to feel like a fucking idiot. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Did you have anybody come along to that first one? Chris, uh, who was in the band, right. drove me because I, I sunk about five pints before I went because I thought I'm going to have to just get levered and just I've got. And then I remember like. Were you so, terrified? Yeah, I was absolutely bricking it. I was bricking it. And then I remember a bit going like, why have, I, why have I even agreed to this? And then I remember being stood near the bandit in the pub and thinking, looking at the door and just going, there's only this one guy who knows and Chris and Becky and my mum, but other than that, no one will ever find out that I had this stupid idea. I'm just going to leg it now. They're not going to make... And I thought... And I kind of just got this real... I was like battling in my own head of going like, yeah, but if you don't... If you run off now, you're a, you're a wanker because you might be dead good at this and going, yeah, but you might be... And I'm having this argument with me in my own head here. Yeah. And before you know it, it's time to go on. And I'm like... And then I do five minutes and it goes all right. And I'm like... I'm buzzing, absolutely buzzing, like go home and I'm like working on the post the next day. I'm lying in bed and I'm a complete thing of experience since stand-up. I was like, you know, like your brain feels like there's an elastic band around it when you're trying to sleep because it's like complete and utter like euphoria of just being like, this is like, what? This is me, this is what... And then I went and did the, the gong show and I thought, is this going to bring me back to down to earth? I did the gong show. So I, this was on a Tuesday, I did my first gig, 10th of July, 2012. Uh, and then... The following Monday, I do the gong show in Manchester. Yeah. Frog and Bucket. Pack comedy club. Mates come down, do the same again, drink. Don't know what I'm doing. I fucking walk on stage. People are laughing before I get to the mic. Now I realise, because I had my fucking coat on and my bag on. I'm like, because I don't know anything, I'm fucking walking on stage with my coat and bag. I'm like, no wonder they're fucking laughing before I get to the mic. So then I do that. I do the last five minutes. I get to the five minutes. Next thing you know, I win the gong show on my second gig. Third gig, Preston, gong show again. Last five minutes, win the gong show. So I've, I've done five minutes, won the gong show, won the gong show, and I'm like... And then by this point, like, the compere who's in Manchester, or someone's... I've, got, I've met a few people, and they've gone... Or I've seen a few more things, and I've just... I've, and then that is it. I'm, I'm hooked then. Yeah. I'm absolutely hooked on this. I can't, I can't get away from it, because this is... Everything kind of just felt like, this is it. This mm. is the one where... This is what it was all about. I'm feeling like, you know, and, it, and, and I, I can't describe the feeling of kind of like it was just everything made sense. Like that, I felt, sounds a bit cheesy, but like no, this, no, is, no. this is what I was, this is the creative part. This is what, what it should be going on because I've always been daft. I've always been funny. I've always been, you know, I've always enjoyed making people laugh. I've got a real kind of buzz from being a fucking idiot and what's better than being an idiot and people loving you being an idiot do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean because that's the only thing I've ever been half decent at and you'd obviously never experienced that level of euphoria oh, in any, it, doing anything else because the way you speak about it now no I've, I've never no I've never had a headache I don't think and I'm lying in bed I'm like Becky I can't sleep and I'm like it's like half four in the morning I'm still thinking about that do you know what I mean like, and it was like it was it was, cra it was a crazy thing of being like do you know I can't Describe it, and then I found out that I got speaking, and you meet people at gigs, then, and you're on, you suddenly you're you're an open spot, or you're at, which is for those of you, that it's like the new comedian who does five minutes, ten minutes, and then you start going from like these gong shows to doing. Then suddenly, I I, I remember thinking, I've got I've got to get ten minutes now. I remember five minutes feeling like, imagine trying to make people laugh all the way through the adverts in Corrie. That's five minutes, isn't it? That's mm. a long time. That 
And then you go, imagine doubling that to 10. But then I managed to do it. And I never wrote anything. I still don't write. I don't write. I write notes in my phone. And then I just talk about... I've got, like, bullet points in my phone. I know the, the checkpoints I want to hit, but it's... I want to come across as, like, that, that guy who's just... Well, it's not contrived. It's not really an act. It's just me telling you some funny stuff, really. Yeah. So so it was never a case of, right, I'm going to sit at my laptop. I've tried doing that, but it doesn't work. And anyway... I suppose you've got to figure out what style works for you. Yeah, yeah. And I think... And and then I've, I, it's just gone on and on, and then you get 10 minutes and you start meeting pro comics, then suddenly someone goes... I'll give you 20 quid for doing 10 minutes. And you're like, I'm a paid comedian here. This is amazing. <laughs> 20 quid, where is it? Ipswich, no problem, see you there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it's like, because nothing, what's better than, I'm driving, yeah, but 20 quid, I'm getting for this. Do you know what I mean? And, and it went on, and, and this is 2012. And and you're still posting at the time, aren't you? Still posting, yeah, and, and getting up. And then, then it went berserk, like as if, not not in a way where I was like, this is a thing where, I have to tell the, the kind of where, where it, how it ended up to where it is now because it's quite interesting, really. But um, I just grafted, like, I was doing the post all day and I was thinking of jokes and then I would take a gig in fucking Timbuktu. And you know what's so ace is that my girlfriend never signed up for any of this. She she had a boyfriend who was a postman who was yeah. home at 2 o'clock every day to suddenly he's out five nights a week driving all over the country spending his £281 Royal Mail wage on petrol to drive around the thingy when we were renting our first house trying to save up to buy an house. Do you know what yeah, I mean? So yeah. it was really, but she was like, yeah, because she knew the passion and and I've always kind of known that there's something else. Do you know what I mean? Even when I was a postman, I'm not saying it's a bad job, but I knew there's something else. Do you know? I didn't know what that was, but there's something else. And I was like, right. And she saw obviously how happy it made yeah, as well. Yeah, and, and then and then it was just five years uh, of, of graft. And then it was like 2012, went to the Edinburgh Fringe just to watch two shows. And I was like, I didn't know what the Edinburgh Fringe was. I literally, I didn't have a fucking clue what it was. What did you watch, do you remember? Uh, I watched Nick Helm, um, yeah. and I watched Danny McLaughlin, because I'd seen him compare uh, the Preston Frog and Bucket, then we got on the Megabus home. I didn't know where anything was. I remember thinking, oh, well, it's all shut down now at 11 o'clock. I was just in the wrong part. <laughs> yeah. I was sat on a fucking wall with me mate, going, well, we'll go, go, get the Megabus home. Didn't have a clue, never heard <laughs> of the Edinburgh Fringe. Fringe doesn't close, does it? Yeah, I exactly. Mean, my God. So then, so then, yeah, and it was just a case of, that was 2012, and then, I've kind of looked at it every year as though my whole thing, a lot of people, I'm not, no unique case for this, but you go every year I think, right, be better than like Do something this year where you've surpassed last year. Do you know what I mean? And be like, right, if you, if you got to 10 minutes, get get up to 15 and get start getting these 50 quid spots now. And suddenly I'm doing 50 quid for 15 minutes. And you're going, well, I'm a postman, 50 quid. That's like more or less a day's wage, that. And it's 15 minutes. This is fucking brilliant this yeah. and I'm like this is great and then some, and then I'm getting to the point where I'm like I've got 15 minutes and then it's like you, the goal is 20 you want to get to 20 because then you can start getting booked if, you, if you've got a decent 20 you can do the clubs do you know what I mean you, it's hard to get in you have to do your tens and that first and work for free and go to London on the mega bus and let someone see and all that kind of stuff but I thought I'm up for it I'm, there's not nothing going to stop me doing this now I'm I'm, I'm going to do it. But in a way, it's a bit like going, starting in the kitchen, washing yeah. pots, and then you graduate to totally. peeling, and you just work your way up. Yeah, and that, that's what it was. And it was it was fat. It was years of, and, and I remember just like going, I'm taking gigs everywhere, and then suddenly he's like, 
you, you, you that that good open spot where they can that ten minute spot where they go yeah he's decent. he's he's a safe pair of hands to put on for free and then suddenly you go from oh, we've got a fifteen minutes think he could do that and you go yeah and then you get and you end up like kind of graduating for each one and then it's got to a point where all my mates was like Brennan and that was going up to the Edinburgh Fringe doing stuff but this is like thirteen fourteen Brennan started going up to the fringe and I'd be he'd become a mate by this point Brennan yeah I knew him a bit. And kind of, I remember looking and seeing the fringe and kind of not really getting what it was. I thought people got paid for being there. You know, I didn't really get all that kind of stuff, uh, which I've found out since that you definitely do not get paid for being there. (laughs) Uh, And then, and then 15, I was doing 20s and stuff. And I was like, a lot of my mates had got agents and that. And I was like, 15, I was like, I got invited to just do this like show on the free fringe where I did 10 minutes every day with a few other comics. It was put on by an agent in Manchester who was like kind of showcasing new talent. And I thought, well, that agent might sign me after this. Yeah. Do 10 minutes. And it was called uh, Gag Reflex Presents was the agent. And then I went and did that. So I did a month at the Fringe and I was around it all then. Just 10 minutes a day. And I did another show in the morning for half an hour at midday. And I called it Chris Washington First Class. And it was just me practicing doing a 20. But I, I had the room for half an hour. So... I did a bit of blagging at the, the first, and I was like, "Just you've just got to hone your 20 so you can go back and do it in the clubs. So I, I used that midday spot to try and get people. It was like a solo show, really, but pe- people go up and do solo shows to prepare for their hour, but I, it wasn't really what I was doing. I was just, I just took this spot, and I did tw- like five minutes of like, all right, yeah, this room's a shit hole, 20-minute spot what I was going to do in the clubs, and then the last five minutes was uh, an appeal video, what I made about... Um, Get tipping your postman at Christmas, right. which was like uh, this video where it was like, uh, bloody, what's it called? What's that song where I had it playing in the background? It was all these clips like, the higher you build your barriers. <laughs> yeah. And it was like me and I was carrying an old woman across the road with my mate dressed as my nan and then I was like stopping traffic and then there was bits where I was like showing that I have like 15 Jager bombs but I still get up for work and it was all this kind of stuff. That's five minutes, so I've, I've winged it. So I've gone like 20 minutes out, I'm honing that. Bit of blagging at the start, five minutes at the end, couple of minute bucket speech, I've got half an hour. Yeah. And I did it. And then 15, that's what I did. I did the 10 minutes every day. The agent didn't sign me. Um, were you changing that 10 minutes every day? Were you doing the same 10? Uh, I had, because I, I had a 20, I could mix it up a little right, bit. I, had, I, had, I could dip in and I had 20 minutes to choose from instead of 10 because that's a funny thing when you turn up when you're quite new and you go, what, what? And oh, you see the pro comics going, what are they going for? What kind of, liking a bit of the rude stuff and uh you know, I, like in the, the shorter stuff and like, right, okay, I'll bear that. And then I remember thinking when people are doing this, well, fucking, what are they going for? I'll, I don't have, I don't have anything else, so they just better go for this. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, what are they going for? Christ. So then 15 was um, was done Edinburgh. I've done a month in Edinburgh. I've kind of dipped my toe in, but I'm not done Edinburgh. I've just done 10 minutes and lived up there for a month. And, yeah. Stayed with some lads who I didn't know that well at the time, and they were nice lads. But I wasn't in and around it. Didn't get an agent. I invited them to see me just to thingy, but I didn't get one. No one came. And then, um, and then sixteen, I bought a house, carried on gigging hard. But that was sixteen was a year where I was like, my mum got on my back at me in sixteen, and she was like, "Do you still are you still loving the comedy?" And I was like, "Yeah, but I bought this house and it was a wreck." So we was doing the house up all the time and it kind of took a bit of a backseat. The comedy, not loads, but my mum was like, you need, and that was when my mum was like, you need to keep doing this, Chris. You need, you don't let it slip. Don't become like, don't let it. 
you know? And I was like, I'm not, I'm not. She's like, you just don't seem as, and I think it was just, I don't know, maybe 15, going to Edinburgh, not getting an agent, uh, 60, buying a house and the stress of buying a house and doing it all up. And then, and I think July 16, I wasn't going to Edinburgh because I'd done it the year before. And, um, and then we'd bought the house and we was doing all that for months and months. And it was just constant bloody like plasterboarding and arguing with my dad and, do you know, yeah, well, it's, it's just another thing to pile on. It yeah, just yeah. And, and then the, a support slot came up for Jason Manford in, in Harrogate and uh, for one of his warm-up shows for his tour. And I knew the promoter. And I was still working. I was working 20s now and I was getting like 100 quid gigs and stuff and I was doing all right. Wasn't wasn't anywhere near enough to leave the post though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was, it was the, the point where I could, I, see, I could see it, but if I was being completely honest with myself, I probably wasn't that close to it. Then I supported Jason Manford um, and and that gave me a thing of like, I want this now. Do you know what I mean? Like this is... You felt that you wanted to sort of step yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's that's what I want. And I, I had a good gig and I was like, that that's that's it. It gave me, July, it was just a few months and it was like, it's back. Do you know what I mean? It's back now. Fucking hit it hard again. Like go out Edinburgh next year, your hour, do your hour. And people go, and there's this thing with Edinburgh where you... you I've taught loads here, man. Sorry. This is a podcast. This oh, is what right. we want, Chris. Right. So, so there's this thing with Edinburgh where <laughs> basically where people, I'm, I was very naive with a lot of things in terms of I didn't have an agent. And I didn't know how a lot of the industry worked. I just knew I could make people laugh and I was make, getting work off promoters. Yeah. But Edinburgh's a totally different ball game. Like in, people, in what respect? Because people do the first hour, they, they kind of go up, they do a 40. And then they go up and they, they get they, they go up and everyone who goes up and does their hour or a lot of them doing it's like your debut. There's so much pressure on it, and people go up with man manage like to you don't do your debut hour. A lot of people because they want to get that nomination for newcomer. But I didn't really know about that. I know I knew Brennan had had it, but I didn't. I was like. I just want to be up there and do this hour. And yeah. this hour, if I do an hour long show where I've got tickets with my name or I've got a poster and I've got a thingy, I'm, I'm, I've like surpassed so many expectations as that, do you know what I mean? What I thought I would yeah. get out of this. That I don't need to worry about any kind of nomination or newcomer thing or anything like that. And they got like an agent would talk definitely. If I'd have had an agent in 17 when I went out with my debut hour, they'd have said, don't go up with an hour this year because you're not ready. Because, you know, you don't have, I didn't have PR. I didn't have, because I couldn't get PR. So I heard what PR was. Someone told me. I emailed three of them. I couldn't give the money away to get PR. Do you know what I mean? Which is PR for anyone who doesn't is basically, and I didn't know at this time, was uh, is people who create the buzz about your show and get the reviewers in. And yeah. you know what I mean? And you get you the, the articles, you know, and you see the... Because there's so many shows top, Yeah, there, top 10 God. shows to see at the Fringe this year. And you them lists come out in April and you go in, them shows aren't even written. You've just got PR. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I didn't know at the time. But anyway, so I've gone up. And 17, and I've never stood on stage for an hour before, by the way, up until June 2017. Some people start the previewing process a year before. They've done the 14 Edinburgh, then they have to get the extra 20, and they've got a year to get that extra 20. We're in June now. Edinburgh's in August. I've never stood on stage for an hour before. I don't even know what I've got on this piece. These 12 bullet points are even add up to an hour. I'm going to my first preview on June the 3rd in bloody, um, what's it called? It's somewhere near Halifax. Um... Brighouse it was actually. Right. Um, I do my first preview there and I'm going, these this list of things on this piece of paper 
I've got a title. I've registered it in the fringe guide. I've no agent. I've no nothing, but I'm going up there. I'm doing an hour. No one's, do you know what I mean? I don't, I've not got PR, but I won't have PR. Do you know what I mean? And I'm just guessing a lot of things now. I'm guessing about, I'm asking Brenner a bit of advice, but Brenner had an agent. Everyone, you know, everyone who was doing the debut hours, they already had the list of people who were like the, the, the hot ones to, to think. And I wasn't, no one knew who I was. Yeah. So I'm doing this first preview and it rolls in a, a, an hour and five and I'm like, oh my God, I've done an hour on stage. What? And I'm back to that euphoric buzz again. My head's, my head's exploding on my pillow. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy. How did it go? Uh, got, got laughs. I yeah. mean, ske- sketchy, but like, you made I've, it I've done an hour. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, imagine that when I was trying to remember five minutes at, yeah. at, at Tilsley a few years ago. Now I've just done it. I've kept people's time for an hour. Wow. So, and there wasn't many people there. It wasn't the best setting, but you know, it worked. And I was like, and and people sometimes people do like thirty previews before Edinburgh. Do you know what I mean? And I couldn't get thirty previews, so I put a few on in Wigan, and I, I invited mates down. And then I did the last one, and I, I think I did about twelve in the end. And I did twelve, and I'd, I'd sent all these. Uh, I, I did twelve previews, and my show was called Dream Big Brackets Within Reason, and it was basically. <laughs> I'd, I, you've seen Edinburgh shows. There's a lot of people who they go. You need a hook. You need, and a lot of shows uh, they have real kind of hard hitting messages. Yeah, and real kind of, um, you know, they're doing something or they're saying something really. And I've ne- that's not why I started comedy. I started comedy to tell daft stories about. Well, they draw things from their personal trauma yeah, of their and life. I didn't. From, I, didn't have any, yeah. I went Florida. Remember 2002. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what could I, what can I say? I, life's been good. Life's good as a postman. I've got great life. You know. Let's just and it's more. And the whole premise of it was just being about enjoying where you're at and remembering where you're at. And like I was talking about in the show, it was like so. It was like I told the dinner lady story. I told about how I bought. 12 cars in 12 years and never passed an MOT and talked about being a post... Uh, uh, no, I didn't even talk about being a postman. I chucked all my postman stuff out and I was like, no, I'm going to write a show. I'm going to come up with a show. And I, I left all my... That postman material for another show and it was quite... A, people was like, you're going to do all your postman stuff? And I was like, nope, doing doing different stuff. Yeah. And it, that was a bit of like, wow, like usually people's first hour is just a combination of everything they've come up with and that. But I remember coming up with loads of stuff for this show and like a story about me and my mate and a taxi rank when we nearly got fucking stoved in off this nutter and all this kind of stuff. There was no kind of, but the over, I didn't think there was a, the, the theme was basically just like, I'm happy with this. You know what I mean? Like dream big within reason was like, I'm, I've been totally like, do you know, it's, it's, it, I'm happy with like the little things like, and I still am. And it's like, um, like there was a bit in it where about me and me, me and me mate, uh, me and my cousin, our Martin, who's like awesome, who's like my brother really. But uh, having this conversation, he's very good, very funny, much funnier than me. He's a gardener though, and um, and he, he's very good at recognizing when we're talking about something and just going, "You should talk about that." Do you know what I mean? And we had this conversation one night after piss and what have you, and uh, and we ended up like having. The, do you know when people talk about? Imagine if you won the lottery and they're taking it in turns. Oh, I'd do this. Yeah. Oh, I'd do that. Oh, I'd do this. And we we ended up having this conversation. It was totally like, it was, imagine being on 500 quid a week. And we were like taking it in turns going, oh my God, you could have like a Domino's on a Wednesday. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and it was like, and then he, he went, that's funny this, you know, like we're talking like this. You make a note of this. And it ended up being, but and it was a real kind of bit for the show where people was like, He's just happy with his bit. And it was more about like, it's like meeting Becky and like, 
you know, going to, and we got, she won a Hoover at work and we were buzzing, like loads of just good stuff. And it's like funny and heartwarming and relatable. And it was just, it was, it was genuine as fuck. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it was yeah. real. I wasn't going up there going, and I'm nothing against shows like that. If you're doing what, what, do whatever you want to do in Edinburgh. I'm not, I'm not beating anyone down who does different stuff. Do you know what I mean? But that was my thing. And, and I didn't have the big message. I didn't have the big, 40, what what do you do at the 40 minute lull as he said again you're finding your style like with what we're talking about the writing before or, yeah. or the way that you approach it this is how you're gonna yeah totally and and I went up right I went up with this show first day of Edinburgh checking my pre-sales now bearing in mind all the other all my mate, like the lads of people I'm living with They've got, everyone's got an agent who are yeah. doing these hours and they've got promoters, so people looking after their ticket sales. They've got PR people. I didn't have anything. It was just me, just me on my own, right? And I'm like, um, and I'd sold 13 for the first day, which was mega because that's a pretty good number. I've got a show at 13 people. The room was only 50. And I've, I've done loads of overtime at work, by the way, to be able to afford to do Edinburgh. Right. I've, and I've called and, and I've done, I've, going back it slightly, I've done this um, Edinburgh, I didn't have a choice because I've got the three weeks annual leave and I may not have got that the next year. So I, it's shit or bust here. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Because I've pulled in so many favours to get this three weeks off. I've begged Dave at work, my boss. I'm like, please, Dave, I've cut, I've worked extra shifts. So that person will work that half a week for me. And I've made, and I've got the whole of the Edinburgh fringe off. I have to do it here. This is it now. I'm not saying I have to, my only aim to go up there was to hopefully get an agent, which was like, that'd be great. Um, get good at comedy, get fucking good, Where I've, and then give people a good show, get a show where people are walking out going, you know what, I fucking enjoyed that. They were the aims, nothing else in my mind, right? Nothing else. And other people will go up, and I, I'm not like I'm not speaking out of term when I say this, but when they have the agents, it's eyes on the prize for that nomination because it, it, it creates like um, a real kind of, do you know, nomination, the Edinburgh Comedy Awards are huge. It's the biggest arts festival in the world, isn't it? And agents kind of, like, hi, uh, what what they call, like, they incubate them and then they, they go, right, now it's time to do your hour. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's all this real kind of structured path which someone's kind of, which is great. And I've fucking it been, you know, I'm not calling anyone out who's got that because that's what agents do and they, they manage your career in a way where they're making the right choices for you at the right time. But I didn't have that. Yeah. And I was really naive to a lot of that. So I go up, and I've not got my eyes on any kind of prize other than just do this show good, get numbers in, fly it yourself and work really hard, pay a couple of other people, work your bollocks off, do it, right? And then I've got 13 in on the first day, everything, and the first show, and I go in, and it's fucking terrible. And I mean terrible. And I'm like, oh, my God. Just, like, zero laughs. Yeah, 13 yeah. people had come. There was some kind of works. Dude, they weren't knobheads. They just, I, maybe I lost my bottle a bit halfway through. But it went, it went awfully. And it was, I remember thinking after it, and I'm, I, this is a thing what I've noticed over the last few years, is that I've always thought my mental health was always pretty fucking sound because I'm, I'm really, you know, like, um, I'm happy, chappy. I've got loads of mates. I've got loads of things. And, and I've realised the past few years that I, I go off the grid when something is, isn't right. I go completely like... In what way? Like, I fucking, like, look at my phone and it'd be like my mum ringing me. I'd never ignore a phone call off my mum in my life. And then I'll be like, look at it and go, oh, fuck it, put it down. Do you know what I mean? And it's like people asking, how's the first show gone? And you like, swipe off that. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, shut the curtains. Do you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. And, and, and it was that first day of being like... Um, 
you, you know, like, what, it was a real kind of, what am I doing? Is it, maybe I'm, I've fluked up to this point. Maybe I'm out of my depth there. Maybe I'm, maybe this Edinburgh Fringe idea, I've, I've, what am I doing here? Yeah. And it was like a real kind of, it went badly. And I'm not, I'm not just being like, oh, you know, everyone goes, it's weren't as bad as you think. It did, it went, you know, I got titters, but I'm like, I was all over the place and I, I lost it. And I was like, and then I, I was out of touch with my mum and dad and, and then, um, because they were buzzing for me to be up there, do you know, it was such a huge opportunity, you know, to get this time off work. And then I told all my mates, and I've done these previews and people come watch the previews and they laughed. And I got it to a point where it was like really good. And then I fucking got there and I've been rubbish and I'm shit. And I'm like, what's going on? And then, and then I'm in bed and I'm, I'm lying in the bed in the day and I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? And I'm, you know, my girlfriend, I'm like, I'm not being thinking, it didn't go how I wanted it to, I'll speak to you later, do you know what I mean? That's all I'm, you're kind of getting from me at the moment because I can't, if I talk to you, I'm going to, I'm going to bloody, do you know, I'm going to burst into tears. You're going to crumble and you've yeah, got to get yeah. back on stage. So then it was like, I really had to kind of just go like, and I told me mate, I told a but also, Edinburgh's, you're around all your mates, but everyone's got their own thing going on. Yeah. It's fucking lonely as hell up there, you know, like sometimes, like, because, yeah, you're around people, but everyone's primary concern is the heart, their show, because they've been working so hard for it for the rest of the year. And no matter what you say, is that that is it. So I'm like, and I remember, and I've never been like this before, uh, I was like sat, and I thought, no, I'm still going to go out and have a beer tonight, and I'm back on it tomorrow. So give yourself a slap, wash your face, do you know what I mean? go at it again, you, this is a good show. I yeah. kind of got to, I'm fighting it in my own edit, I'm fighting it, I'm going, you're not shit. You know, you back to this place and I'm like, day two. And your go. confidence is going to take like, a battering, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and this is my first experience, my first hour in Edinburgh, we go again, right? And I was like, right, um, but t- day two. But but that night I've gone out and day two was a bit better, but not loads better, but... Couldn't have gone worse than day one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But numbers were low on day two. I'm doing it to about five people. Day two. Maybe a few mates have come as well, and they gave, gave me a bit of a boost. They were like, yeah, it's good. And one of my mates, Danny, he was like, maybe try that bit in, um, like, say that bit in a different, the opposite way around. And just a couple of points, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, I was like, I was not fully in it. My head was a bit like West. And I've never been like this before, but I was sat around the table and... Uh, and everyone's having a beer, and I love having a beer and sitting in a pub. It's like my favourite place to be. And um, I, I, <clears throat> I can, everyone's in a conversation, and I'm having a beer in Edinburgh. It's day one or day two, both days probably, because I thought I'm still going to go out, and because if I stay in, I'm going to drive myself insane. Here, yeah. Because I don't know what this feeling is. I'm not. I can't really deal with this. And um, and then. I, I, there's a conversation going on and I've been in it for an hour but if you ask me what they're talking about an hour later I couldn't tell you I could not tell you my head is just somewhere else you yeah. know and I'm like I can't I can't describe but nothing's going in I'm not taking anything in here and I'm, this is all alien to me this and I'm and I'm like right and I just I just um, dug in and I just um got going with it and it kind of hit a, like third and fourth started getting a bit better Do you know it's all peaks and troughs in Edinburgh but then what happened was a real turning point is 
I'm having a beer, right? By this point, the show's been going six days and I've fixed it and I'm in an all right place and I'm not feeling this thing where I can't be in conversations anymore. That's passed. And I'm, I've, had a, I've probably had one show where he's got pretty good laughs and I'm like, yes, we're right. on now, we're yeah. off. And, um, and then I go for a beer and um, we're in a, sat in a circle and I sit next to this guy um, who called Carl Cooper. I don't know if you know him. He's, no. a, he's, a, he's a radio producer. I didn't know he was a radio... I knew him a bit because Brennan knows him and he's done a bit of development stuff with Brennan. But I'm just sat next to a guy who, who's a, a, a producer, but I didn't know he was a producer. And I'm, I'm, I'm not that... I'm so naive and I'm not even in a way where networking i don't even know what the fuck it is do you know i'm just yeah. having a beer and i'm next to a bloke and he smokes and i smoke we'll go out for a fag together and i'll sit next to you and if you sit next to me i'm going to talk to you after a few about how much i love arctic monkeys right that's what's going to happen right so anyway i'm chatting away having a beer uh talking about arctic monkeys telling him about all these alex turner's a genius not mentioning comedy but then someone had said to me i'd heard on something keep a flyer in your back pocket when you're in edinburgh because if anyone asks you about your show you give them a flyer and I think I had some in my bag or something. Gone out for a fag and he's gone, what are you doing up here? And I said, oh, I'm doing my, my first hour. And he said, what's it called? And I said, oh, I've got a flyer here. And I give him this flyer. And he goes, uh, right, I'll come to that tomorrow. And I was like, oh, Belty, nice one. And he, I was like, I didn't, I didn't know if he would or whatever, but, you know, he's... A, yeah, because people say things up yeah, there, Yeah, and it wasn't, it wasn't like... Um, do you know what? Sometimes I've, I've realised now, if some, you find out there's a producer in the room, people change the tone a little bit and they'd be like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and I was, I think he, I was just being like, just you. in a realm with him. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, you know, so then, so then what happened was he came to my show the next day and uh, he goes to me, and I don't know this about Carl at the time, but Carl's like a very, he's a bit of like a, an encyclopedia of comedy. He's a very well-respected radio producer. Like if he says something's decent, you're going to go and have a look at it. Do you know what I mean? That kind of character. Yeah. And I didn't know this about him. He's just a, a guy. And he came and he waited for me after the show and I had a good show and I could see him laughing when he was in it. And he went to me when I walked out. He went, you know, I'm not saying that is the most perfect debut I've ever seen, but... He said, what you've tried to do with that show, you've absolutely nailed it. And he went, have you had, like, the judges in and that? And I, I think I had had the judge, and I thought they just came once, but I didn't know, with the comedy awards, the judges come back and back and back and back. I didn't know how many times or whatever. I said, yeah, I think they've been, but it was probably a shit show, so that's gone out the window. And he doesn't have any sway on that because he's not on the panel. He's, it's, and you can't really, like, it's really, a, like, you can give someone a nudge to go, go and watch that, do you know what I mean? Mm. And he said, all I'm going to do is he said, I'm going to, if someone asks me what I've seen, like what I've enjoyed, I'm going to make sure yours is like one of the first ones on my lips. He said, because I've really enjoyed that, mate. And he was so complimentary. And I was like buzzing around my mum. My mum's like buzzing her head off and all that. And, uh, and the next thing you know, because I'm doing all my tickets and I'm looking at the online spreadsheet, which gets emailed to me every day, Comedy Awards judge comes like two days later. So I thought, oh, they've come again. Next thing, and then it's like, such comedy awards judge comes again and it's like four days later and I'm like alright that's weird and then it's like next day two comedy awards judges come and I'm thinking this has been four times now yeah. and I'm like I don't want to tell anyone because I feel like a prick as well because I don't want to go hey I'm in I'm in with a shout because I'm not in with a shout because all the people with agents are in with a shout yeah. I, I'm just going to fly under the radar I've sent all these emails out to agents uh, before the start of the fringe and if a couple have got back to me, said they're going to try and get to me by the end of it when they've sorted out all their acts. But, you know, you, 
you just hope for the best, don't you? Yeah. And um, and then it's like fifth time coming in, all his agents coming in. And this is so funny because no fucking... It's it's hard getting punters in. So there's one day I've got three comedy awards judges in here, and I've only sold one ticket. And I'm like, shit, this is gonna be three judges here. And I'm like, so then I'm flying, going out, flying every day. And because I say like, and the people who I'm living with, I'm flying teams because they've got promoters and stuff. And I'm going out, fucking flying me show every day, paying two people. Josh Jones, who's a top young comic now, and he's like smashing it, Simon off the curb and everything. He was flying from it, and um. And then, like, they came again and again. And I was like, oh, my God, this is... And I remember saying to Brennan, I was like... Because Brennan had got the nomination the year before, and I was like, I don't want to get me hopes up, Brennan, but, like, how many times did they come and watch you? Because, like, they've been, like, six times now. And he's like, I don't know, because I never found out because someone else was doing that for me. Right, okay, yeah, of course. So he's like, but I think it's about, like, six, seven, eight, do you know what I mean, around that thing. He said, you're definitely in the mix if they're coming back all the time. I was like, oh, God. And I, there was other people. And I, do you know when people like, oh, there's buzz about your show? There was no buzz, really. The buzz was like just the awards panel. There weren't yeah. like everyone was talking about it because I, I only had one review and it was three stars. They were like dead nice, but they were just like, yeah, funny lad, whatever. And then um, <laughs> and then they came again and again. I remember. So was this like seven or eight now? Yes, yeah, seven times. God. And then it's the day before the nominations, right? And it's eight. And they, they come, like, two of them again. And I'm like, this is like... And I've said, I think I've said to our Martin and, and, like, Beck, I'm like, I'm not edging my bets here, but I said, they've been a fucking lot of times. And, and, and I'm like... And these nominations are major, like, major thing. Like, you, you, know, you know, you can rhyme some of the list off before you go up there because the people, you know what I mean, are in the... They, they know who who's good and, yeah. and no one... And, and anyway, it come the night before, and uh, there's been this big industry party. I didn't have a ticket for it because I wasn't fucking on any list for anything. And my mates had a terrible fringe. So my mate who I'm with, who, who's a very good mate of mine, uh, I've kind of, we've gone away from the fringe. Yeah. And he's sat in a pub crying his eyes out, right? Oh, God. Uh, Nothing comedy related, life oh, related. Right, okay. Do you know what I mean? It was. It I was, thought it was affected to his show. No, nothing to do with that. He right. just had a really tough time with a few right. things what had gone on. So I spent this night, the day before the nominations are announced, kind of like stroking my mate's head and buying him beers and being like, "Come on, mate, it's fine. We'll soon be home and everything will be. You know, we'll get." And 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 everyone's at this industry party where everyone's kind of whispering each other's ear who they think it's going to be. No one knows who, in fact, it is going to be, and then. Um, I'm walking back after my mates just fucking cried like a bastard for, for three hours. And um, walking down the hill, Greyfriars Bobby Hill, and you know the, the dog, what you rub for good luck. I walked yeah. down the bottom with my flats at the bottom. Then I thought, fuck it, and ran back up to the top and rubbed the dog's nose. I thought, you know what I mean? If, if anything's going to give us a bit of good luck, just give it a go. And then the next day, they announce it at um, three o'clock. And, like, Brennan told me you get a phone call beforehand. I was living with Brennan, you see, in Edinburgh. Right. Um, and he was like, you get a phone call beforehand. And, and I did, and I'd be lying if I said, because people say, was it unexpected? Yes, it was unexpected. But by this point, I do know they've been eight times. So if you ask me, it's unexpected. But on this day, I'm thinking, please, 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 please get this phone call, please. No agents have been, no, no do you know what I mean? Nothing's happening. The, the awards people have come, but it's not really... You know, it's not really, um, it's not really looking 
great. I all I wanted was an agent. I've got a good show. I've not got an agent. If I get this, something might happen. And then fucking, I'm lying on my bed at half two and my phone starts going. And I'm like, number I don't recognise. And I'm like, this is it. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Phone. I always that Chris. Yeah. It's such a, Alistair from the Edinburgh Comedy Awards. Remember it perfectly. And I was like, Hiya, mate. He's like, just letting you know, congratulations, you've been nominated for the best newcomer. And I put the phone down, and I was like, I just fucking burst into tears. Yeah. Everything, everything, just, I feel like crying now, talking about it, actually. And um, and I burst into tears after I got off the phone. I remember ringing me, me, me dad. My mum and dad had been up seeing me a couple of days before, and I told them, like, they'd been to loads. And I was trying to explain to them, but they don't really get it, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what, it, what it is. I was like, it's pretty big, this, like, I think... And I remember ringing my mum, and my mum was like, oh, my God, I'm, I can't concentrate. I'm going to have to leave work. And my mum left work early because she was too buzzing, right? Then I ring my dad up, and my dad's like, uh, oh, amazing, mate, well done. But he, I don't think he... I'm not saying it's the biggest thing ever, but... No, it, but it's your first Edinburgh. But, I think yeah, it's pretty big. Yeah, and, yeah. Then, and I was saying to... And I remember saying to my dad, like I said, I said... Uh, to explain this to you, Dad, I said, I think, I said, I can't say things. I said, this this will change my life, this. This will change my life, um, this nomination. And he was like, I hope it does, mate. I hope it does. Told Brennan. And uh, and then, yeah, uh, I'm nominated. Uh, next morning, you've got the press morning where you go for your picture taken and all that. Everyone goes with their agent, the PR, the thingy, Right. <laughs> So, because I know when that list came out, I, loads of support off like comics on the circuit and like loads of texts, and, and it was really like overwhelming, really, yeah. to be fair. Because then my phone pings off like mad, and I'm like, agents, oh, can we come and see you? Can we come and see you? Can we come and see you? Uh, such a body, congratulations, congratulations, congratulations. And I'm, I'm like, oh, amazing. And then, and then they were like, and then you shortlisted, then they were, and I know when this list comes out, everyone goes. Such a body with that agent, such a body with that agent, such a body. And then you go, Chris Washington, who the fuck is Chris Washington? Do you know what I mean? And he was totally just out of nowhere. And people who, you know, they expected to get it, a few people who had great fringes, loads of five-star reviews, didn't get on the list. And I only had one three-star review, so I wasn't, do you know what I mean? The, and that's all really confidential, the judges stuff. Yeah. So so then I got all these, um, all these emails and congratulations. And then the agent started coming and then, but but by this point, I can only describe it as um sorry. The next morning is a press morning. I go to that, I have my picture taken, and I'm like sat in the corner, and I thought I better let someone know who I am because they've got the PR people and the managers and all that kind of arm in arm, and I I don't have a clue. I've walked You're in flying solo. Banani yeah. has a bag of Monster Munch headphones <laughs> in, looking like the cleaner about to start his shift. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so then I walk, I walk in, and um and then uh. Have my picture taken, meet these people. Then the, the, the awards people come back. I've, by in the meantime, I'm having loads of meetings with agents, but I've never been to meet. And I'm just running between these meetings, and people are like first question off them all was like, "Who the fuck are you? Do you know yeah. where, have, where you, have you come from?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, um, and then the next day is the awards. <laughs> Funny because I was getting so many emails that they shortlist you. Then they come back and watch your show and make a final decision. And the head of the comedy awards sent me an email. Uh, no, sorry, the awards people sent an email saying, can the head of the awards come, Nika Burns? Can you put a comp on for her, please? And I was that busy that I didn't even fucking respond to the email and I missed that. <laughs> so, so I was shortlisted. And then I, the head of the awards was coming to check if I was going to win the award and I didn't reply to the email and she didn't come. <laughs> she didn't come. No, well, no, she didn't come, but I think other people come. Like, they, don't, they can't not come, but the head of the awards, 
I missed out on the email because I was oh. my phone was just going ballistic and I, it was overwhelming. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Completely overwhelming, and um, like nothing I'd ever experienced before. Talk about that headache and Christ, my head nearly fell off, right? And um, and then. So the next day is the awards, but I didn't care about winning the award. Like, you know when people say, oh, I'm not bothered. I totally did not give a shit because I had every age, like, not every agent, but I had a nice bunch to pick from. Yeah. And I was like, my, 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 my list at the beginning, I was like, that, I'm in a dream scenario here. So whatever happens, I've fucking nailed it. Went to the awards the next day, you get 10 tickets to take your team of people with you. Right. Lose my team. <laughs> so I'm texting my mates from Wigan. Do you want to come up to the corridor? I was like, no, mate. I was like, it's a free bar. Like, we're on our way now. We'll be see you there in three hours. And then it was like, I'm at the comedy awards now with two scaffolders, a plaster, a lad who thinks the earth's flat, right? <laughs> and then uh, we're flipping, walking around the comedy awards. And I've invited other comics who I've been for pints with in Edinburgh. But, but them tickets usually are for your management, promoter, do you know all that? Yeah. And I didn't have any of that. So I'm here like... And then it's like, uh, it's funny watching me mates in this. I'm like, don't make a tit of me here. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't make a fucking scene. Don't be loud. Don't. Because these are the lads who you, you get chucked out of Weatherspoons with usually. Do you know what I mean? And now suddenly we're, we're around like the head of Sky comedy and bloody all, all them people and League of Gentlemen are on stage uh, presenting the award and whatnot. Yeah. So, and it's funny watching me mates, like they've all got like champagne flutes between their fingers, like champagne Wolverine. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, and it's like, uh, and then we're, we're stood there and it's like, and the best thing was, with this story is like, I said, right, when they read the names out, um, like do a bit, and I'm like saying to my mates, do a bit of a cheer, but don't go ballistic here because everyone will start looking at us and I know how loud you are. I was like, yeah, watch, don't worry about it. Sound. And then you go, uh, first up, uh, best newcomer, the nominees are, and my name's read out first because it's alphabetical order and it's C off your first name. And then my mates go, hey. I was like, nice one, lads. Cheers. Fucking didn't show me up there. Played a blinder. Read the next lad's name out. He was with all his professional agent and all that. They're dangling from the... <laughs> and I thought, for God's sake, I brought the loudest lad in with him, told him to shut up. And then they announced it, I don't win. And I, honestly, do you know, like, when they're announcing something and you might get a feeling in your stomach because you want to win it, yeah. I didn't even have that. I, yeah. I, I, I was probably looking out the window when they met. I didn't, I wasn't bothered. I've just saw League of Gentlemen read my name out. And then, um, and then yeah, I didn't win. Um, my mates were like, oh, do you think it's because we didn't cheer loud? And I said, no, I don't think it's a clap off. <laughs> you know I mean? But yeah, and but then... The uh, thing is, Chris, no, you didn't win, but oh, I you won, went though. to Edinburgh <laughs> yeah. with the show that, you know, that first night did not go well at all. No, no. It's like very small audiences and your main... Objective to go up to Edinburgh was to go and get an agent, and you've everything surpassed yeah, yeah. What, what you wanted. Do you know the funny thing was that when they announced it at three o'clock, I was checking my ticket sales and I'd sold zero tickets. <laughs> and then they announced it at three, and I sold like 50 odd tickets at three. And then I said, Tell me, mum, on the phone. And she was like, Well, when you go in there, tell them all to fuck off. I was like, I don't think it works like that, mum. Do you know what I mean? They didn't want you before, so they're not having you now. I was like, no. <laughs> Unfortunately, mum, I can't really do that. But yeah, and then um, went back. Uh, had meetings and people was like, so I don't even know who or what. And I knew that I got a vibe of who I wanted to be with and it was real dream scenario. Yeah. Uh, but then I went back on, the, I didn't, comedy awards on the, on the Saturday, I'm back in work on the Monday or the Tuesday because it was bank holiday, walking around Wigan and uh, with all these people, still, how, how you feeling? People was like to me, go on, um, 
go for go and let them take you out for a meal in London and go and meet them all and get a vibe for it and stuff. And I thought, and my little like little doubt, little working, you know, like imposter syndrome. Yeah, was, of course. That that was like, but what if they all just change their mind and no one wants me? So I better just make a mind up quick and just tell the one I want to sign with. So I didn't do any of that more schmoozing and going to London. I just sent one an email like the next day after I got back, like, can I come and sign with you on Friday? And then I did do. And then I'm in bloody Oxford Street in London in an office where it's like Peter K, top of the tower, tour posters. And I'm in a all glass walls. And I'm like, they're like telling me to come up with like a wish list of what, a wish list of what I want to do with my career and no one's laughing when I come out with things where I was like, I want to write scripted, I want to go to Australia, I want to do a show at the Pleasance next year, I want to um, I want to be on telly. And they were like, yep, 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 yep. And then... These are all doable things. Yep, yep, they yep, were all, doable. You know what the weirdest thing was? That within 18 months, those four things happened, do you know what I mean? So I, within four, I, I got the Melbourne Comedy Festival 2019... Uh, no, I got Melbourne was the last one on that list. I, I recorded a th- my first TV appearance was a bloody recording my hour long show for BBC One, which went out on BBC Three first, but then got repeated on BBC One. Like most comics do, the first telly appearance and it's a five minute thing on Comedy Central. I was yeah. fucking an hour. I'd never been on telly before. Didn't have a clue what I was. Well, it was another. That's another world. I was bloody naive to when you turn up and like. You start ironing your own shirt and people are like, what are you doing? And then they're like, do you want to go and get you some food? And you've put a fucking packed lunch in your bag. Do you know what I mean? You're just like, an, uh, well, like, it was like you know, someone goes out and get, buys you food. And that was the moment when I got that tea, that thing of like, I found out about the, the live from the BBC, which was my, my, my stand-up special, which went out. And, and I, I got, I quit. I decided to quit in January. Like, but I'd done it for a few months. Yeah. I, I still had this doubt of like, what if it doesn't? And I thought, but I have to go because I've got no annual leave left and I've got to do the Soul Theatre in January. I've got no holidays left at work. Yeah, so, of course. So I just thought, like, jump now and just go for it. And and uh, I, I quit. I left the job, caused a strike, but that's too. That's a story for another day. But, um, yeah. Because it was a decision that seems to be paying off. Yeah, yeah. Please don't change. I'll try not to. Chris, thank you so much for Thanks coming Thanks a lot, on. man. Cheers. Enjoy that. Yeah, it was, that was fucking... I think I talked for too long. No, you didn't. It was brilliant. Thanks it was a lot, brilliant. Man. I loved it. And another episode is done. What a joy. I told you, he's such a laugh, Chris. I'm really chuffed that he came on. Um, now, look, if you are going out during the Christmas weeks, the festive period... And you're going to see some stand-up comedians, right? And you see the name Chris Washington on the bill. Go and see him. You will not be disappointed. I have seen him a couple of times, actually, and he's absolutely brilliant. Um, Right, I'm going to go because I've got Christmas shopping to do and I've still got this bloody cold. You don't want to be hearing me drone on, do you? Look, before you go, get your diary out for next year. That one, yeah. Okay, skip to March. Right, March 29th. Write it down. The Two Shot Podcast, live Sunday, March 29th, I think it's 8 o'clock. We are live at the Birmingham Podcast Festival with loads of brilliant other podcasts. Come down, come see us, come say hello. We're going to get a big, big name to cheer on everybody at Birmingham. It's going to be a really fun night. Now, speaking of other podcasts, just before I go, I want to say a massive thank you to our friends 
Ben, Mark and Gemma from Skip to the End, who are leaving. They are signing off. They're going out on a high with a last brilliant episode. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. They're all great. Um, but that's it. They're, they're, they've decided, you know, enough's enough, and they don't want to let the quality go down. I understand that. It's a lot of work putting a podcast together. You know, there's the recording, getting together, setting the dates, booking the guests, doing the editing, and the promotion. You know, it takes a lot out. And uh, they're going out on a high. So a massive, massive thank you to the brilliant Skip to the End. Have a brilliant last recording, guys. And we'll look forward to hearing it. So on that note, until next week, I've been Craig Parkinson with a cold. He's been producer Griff probably without one. And this has been the Two Shot Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we shall see you next week. Take care, stay safe, keep warm. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. Cheers.